and the rights of the child was adopted on this day in 1989 by the UN. The US still hasn't signed it. Israel has killed over 5,000 children in the last six weeks thanks to the support of the US and the EU. American journalist Chris Hedges was in an Al Jazeera studio watching a live feed from Gaza City of Israel attacking Al Shifa Hospital. A deliberate attack on a, on a hospital, he said, a deliberate war crime, a deliberate massacre of the most helpless civilians, including infants. Then the feed goes dead. We know what this means, he said. No power, no water, no internet, no medical supplies. Every infant in an incubator will die. Everyone who needs emergency surgery will die. Let there be no doubt. Israel, the US and EU are sending a chilling message to the rest of the world. International and humanitarian law, the Convention on the Rights of the Child, are meaningless pieces of paper. They did not apply in Iraq or Afghanistan, and they don't apply in Gaza. They don't hate us for our values. Maybe they hate us because we don't have any. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I'm sure everybody's aware that is at least immersed in this topic of the development of this supposed ceasefire today. It's really just an insult to the word ceasefire in general, and we're going to go over what this really is, what I think will ultimately happen, and the inevitability of what ultimately happens every single time in the situation when parties are involved or being dishonest. We've talked about this in Yemen with you know same parties involved for the most part, but the situation is often take advan- taken advantage of by, by people on either side of a, of a conflict, but historically... The United States, for example, talking about Saudi Arabia, Yemen, with the U.S. involvement, which we should never deny, it's very, very obvious, have allowed the situation to be taken advantage of where one party will allow a pause, ceasefire, whatever, we'll get into the ridiculous terms being used today, and Saudi Arabia, without fail, every single time would push in and take more territory. And every single time, Pompeo would stand up and say the Houthis didn't abide by the rules. Even though international observers and people that were, I mean, it's, it's, it's the same game that's played every time. So I'm not trying to be pessimistic to start today, but I definitely feel that this will be taken advantage of. And I don't feel based on what's already been set up that this will, that this is honest. I feel like every other time we've seen this in the past, whether around two state solutions, whether around any number of different agreements or ceasefires, whatever we're talking about, it is in a situation where it's set up to fail. And as, as again, Dave Smith recently said in, in a debate that this is something that we have proven that he is on the record in many ways. Some in videos he didn't know he was being filmed, but other cases where it was explicitly stated that they put a poison pill in this, or rather, as he put it, overwhelmed with so many poison pills that there's no way it would go forward. But that gets presented to the world as the Palestinians said no, if that's even what ultimately happens. So this today is another example of that, in my opinion. Now, the idea of a ceasefire, as I actually recently said on the final countdown, one of the morning shows, 
historically, I mean, there, there's really no such thing as a four day ceasefire because these are not terms that are meaningless. In my opinion, a truce is sort of a lofty word that's applied over the top of a ceasefire or some really more so a, a long lasting concept that develops because of a ceasefire. But it's more of a nebulous term. A ceasefire is a meaningful term that it comes along with signing documents, with agreements met, set agreements that must be met, and, and it, it's almost always for a long-term concept. Now, a pause is something that's seemingly kind of come up new during this conflict or the current arm of this ongoing genocide of our occupation of 75 years. That it, it again, as far as I can tell, speaking to other people and the know people that work in these fields. It's not something that has any real meaning other than what we understand a pause means. Temporary halt to something, you know, where, which almost, I mean, not almost, which inherently means it will continue. And that's one of the most problematic issues, uh, parts of this whole dynamic is that this is something, it, most anybody out there who's engaging in this and wanting whatever we call this, and let's just let's just go with the pause concept that they're pushing forward. People that are saying, yes, this is good. Almost all of them are arguing because it might lead to a long term lasting ceasefire. But we'll get into this and show you directly from Israel's mouth or rather the words of the officials on behalf of the Zionist government of Israel stating explicitly this will not stop no matter what. That this is simply going to continue the moment that this comes back. And I'm going to tell you right now, my opinion, my, my prediction is going to be not only will they not stop in many different ways, but then they will try to, and I'm talking about Israel specifically here because of historically past events. And I'm not saying that Hamas or Palestinians in general are, are not capable of violating this for their own purpose and own reasons. But I'm, I'm basing this off historical events and how this has gone in the past. In my opinion, I'm sure people will disagree. That this will be, there will be parts of the deal that I already see that will be used, that will be applied knowing, as this is what I meant in regard to the poison pills and different metrics that are, that are impossible to meet, let's say. Israel demanding more hostages than can be returned, maybe because they know that they killed more than they actually took. And that's not something we should be denying anymore because it's been proven round and round again by independent media and then admitted by Haaretz. Yes, they shot their own people to some degree on October 7th. I say that because I don't think we've proven whether it was majority or all or not, but that's something we should be considering. Or, for example, like having time frames that must be met and then claiming that something wasn't met, therefore this does not apply anymore and the ceasefire is over. This is what happens in the past. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll go through and show you the examples that I think stand out the most. My opinion, there is a lot of these already set up to fail, and there's already discrepancies between what Hamas is saying and what Israel's saying before it's even started. Now, let's get into it, and there's going to be a few other points we're going to go over and that I think are important to fully understand the ceasefire, but also just, or rather, the, the pause that they're calling a ceasefire, but as well as just kind of the ongoing dynamic of why I think this is set up to fail, but why I don't think Israel in particular even wants I mean, they'd say they don't want this, but that they have a set interest in making sure that this doesn't work. Again, my opinion, you please come to your own conclusions. But we'll go through also some COVID stuff to start. But I also, in general, as you know, I try to present these shows in a way that hopefully somebody who never watched this show before steps in can go through the information and it's meant to be kind of one digestible concept at the end of the day. Well, let's start with a, um, well, first of all, just the shout out to Mick Wallace and the clip we opened with there. He's always doing a great job. And this is from, uh, you know, Rep Representative Ireland saying, they don't hate us for our values. Maybe they hate us because we don't have any. 
That's it's a it's a scathing point. I mean, how can we argue? Now that doesn't mean individual members of Ireland, citizens of Ireland or, or Americans. It ultimately means the governments and the people that are in the power structures pretending to represent us. And the point is that if we don't abide by the very things we claim are the most important concept, you know, in our integrity, our morals, our values, our laws, then why in the world would we ask what expect anybody else to respect our respect those same things in reverse or respect us in general? The point is, and I know everybody's beginning to see this and probably has for a very long time, typically people stuck in the paradigm are the ones that don't want to admit it, but they see it too. The world very, very well knows what the U.S. government is, just like with Israel. And that's not to say that their governments are any better. The point is they can see the very clear, pernicious, surreptitious concept that it, what they're doing, the march going around the world taking control of other locations for their interests, not even your interests, but their interests at the expense of everybody else. It's not a secret. We can look back at any one of these things. The point is that the world sees that. So we, as the peoples of these countries, collectively, but the peoples individually, let's say speaking to you, America, we need to do something about that. And not just pretend we can check a box and the next person that will do it all different, even though that obviously never happens. But I want to go over a couple quick things for medical freedom and COVID, some developments that I want to get into. First of all, a great substack we put out today, three important COVID vaccine stories the mainstream isn't telling you. I'm going to make sure that this, well, and these, are, these are some of the things we recently just talked about, but make sure you go through and check this out. Vitamin D, obviously, one we just talked about. Well, you know, why don't, why don't I leave it a secret for you guys? Because I want to entice people to go in and support our substack and support us through substack. But some great work coming out of there. Make sure you check that out. Doom recently pointed something out to me that I think is, it, it's just baffling to me how it can be this obvious. So what have we been told the entire time about, about the VAERS, the vaccine adverse event reporting system, right? What are we told? Well, it's unverifiable. It's a broken system. It doesn't even work properly. We need to get a whole new thing the whole time. And, you know, there are different varying opinions, but of course, people that are under aware of, you know, anything, especially specifically how this was supposed to work. It's a signal system. It's not supposed to prove anything. It's just supposed to be a signal because we know that things can be wrong and correct. People can report things they made a mistake on, or they could lie. That's possible too. But to pretend all of them suddenly became lies because of anti-vaxxers, the moment that this suddenly starts showing you a signal we can't deny is just one of the most inherently dishonest things of this, this entire illusion. But to Doom's point, Bayer's is a thing again. November 21st, the, the FDA posts this. Monitoring vaccine safety is an important responsibility shared by the CDC and the FDA. And there's no part of America's vaccine safety system more talked about than the vaccine adverse event reporting system. Here's how it works. Oh, good. So now it's an important tool again, now that we can put that behind us, right? Don't mind the man behind the curtain. Don't pay attention to the 99% of this system that's focused on COVID vaccine adverse event reported reports. That was an anomaly, whatever. Just put it behind you. Now we're going to use it again. What, so how does that even make sense? How are we supposed to use this if when it started showing us a problem, you guys went like, no, it's broken, or that's not right, or it's it, that's it, they're lying, or whatever the narrative is. I mean, it just is really that kind of stupid. And I think the people are, I mean, all of these things, seeing right through it. And you know what? They know that. So in that, I, I, every story or topic like this we go through, I stand back and really try to ask myself, why 
What's the logic of what they're doing here? And part of me just thinks desperation that the best thing they can do is just white, just paint right over it. It's kind of what I think is happening, but you know what? It's not working. You know that I know that they know that. So keep pushing. And it's unfortunately they're not letting go of any of this. And I'm really worried that because of the larger things going on in the world, that these things will slip by. Now, this will develop further. There's no doubt about that in regard to, for the podcast, this is just specifically from Brownstone Institute, courts pave way for New York quarantine camps. Now, I already showed you this, actually, but it continues to develop. And the point is that just quickly, that they have now, the, the bottom line is at the end of the day with this I believe the, the the lawsuit falling away and a couple of other dynamics that they're now saying or claiming that this is allowable again, even though the idea in any state that they could simply put you in a quarantine camp because of what they argue is something like not like this. We're talking about the system that happened during COVID-19 that you happen to be in a place where they say people might've been sick. And so everybody gets put in quarantine just in case that's what this is. And it's terrifying unconstitutional and we proved to the world that it was a bad idea and yet they don't care and i mean i don't mean we as in t lab or just independent media we as in the united states because we destroyed people's lives we killed people doing this and we the government in the sense and they don't care not only do they not care they want that power still so really let that flavor, not just Kathy Hochul and her maniacal whatever's going on in New York City, but the government in general and allowing this. Trump too, by the way. And how that flavors the other conversations of what they think about your life, your freedoms, the way you're allowed to, you know, making self-determination. Let's put it that way, because that makes it very much overlap. Now, in that same note, here is something from the 16th of this month. Realize, mind you, while they're justifying using quarantine camps, which is essentially lockdown, but in specific locations, COVID lockdowns, according to a new study, are no more effective than the Swedish style softer approach. You know, the Swedish style is in not doing that at all. Major Oxford University backed study suggests. Oh, it, just, it suggests, does it? You mean along with all the 40 other studies that have found the exact same thing, that they destroyed lives, ruined child education, hurt people? I mean, I could go on for 45 minutes of the things we know verifiably per scientific studies, but also just observationally what this can do to the society that, it, that it's taking place in or the economy within that society. But I just, I mean, again, I, I could, it's just so baffling that it's so stupidly obvious and yet it's still creeping back up. Or how about this? This is from February of this year. Remember how this started? Safe and effective. Well, still, still stupidly saying that in some cases. Safe and effective. Benefits outweigh the risks. It stays in your shoulder, right? It's like every other vaccine. They still sometimes ridiculously say that. But the point is, the new study, in February, circulating spike protein may contribute to myocarditis after vaccination. You know, you think? Or how about the idea that they said, yeah, it stays in your shoulder muscle. So the idea that there's even a circulating spike protein is something that we're supposed to be censored for saying. Now they're finding not only that that's there, which we all know, especially those of you watching this show, since we talked about that very early, but now the fact that it continues, the sustained synthesis of the spike protein, of course that obviously leads to my, I mean, it's just so blatantly ridiculous. But now it's public knowledge. But, you know, to those that care to look, but you know what they're doing? 
They're not stopping the shots. They're still telling you got to get it. You should get it. I just saw Chuck Schumer and Mandy Cohen telling you, yep, you got to get them. They're right for you. Go get your children vaccinated. But guess what they're also doing? As Brooke Jackson puts it, desperate times call for desperate measures, right? So you've got a whole population keeling over with vaccine side effects and heart attacks and blood clots. You know, that is if you were blind enough to go ahead with these shots, let alone more than one. But what are they going to do? Well, here, take a flu shot. Guess what it does? It reduces your heart attacks by 26%. I'm sure that's not real, quite frankly, but that's you can decide for yourself. But how, how, so not only are we telling ourselves, no, no, there's not a problem, or they're telling you, there's no problem with heart attacks. There's nothing wrong over here. But here, take the shot that reduces your risk of heart attack that you don't need because that's not happening. Meanwhile, we're putting defibrillators in preschools, but everything's fine. Go back to sleep. And this, what, this is about a five-minute clip, but ju- we've already shown you this, but I just think this is incredible how this continues to advance, and they still keep their head in the sand. This is from the, this is the largest medical vaccination scandal, as, it's, as it says here, has been confirmed by the equally failing EMA, the European Medicines Agency. So basically, the EMA has provided brief answers to a number of important questions about the injections. And you've already heard this, guys. The, just cutting to the chase, it says not only did the EMA not allow the vaccines at all to go against infections, the EMA goes even further. It says, it explains in its answers, and he says, and I quote, the EMA's assessment reports on the admission of vaccines emphasis emphasize the lack of data on contagiousness. It says, in other words, the vaccines were not intended to prevent infection, and they are and there are no data at all that substantiates the vaccines help against infections. Did you hear that? Like, really let that sink in after four years of this nonsense. And the fact that what were they telling you? They'll protect your, your, your killing grandma. I mean, it's just staggering. People, this, if, if you can't see by now that these people, if, if, if any of this was honest, would be in prison by now, then you are choosing to lie to yourself. They lied. They knew they lied. And the bigger story is what the hell is really going on with all of this? Was this a bioweapon? Was this a leak problem? I mean, you know, my opinions have gone into it at length. But the fact that we are in real time understanding that we were lied to so egregiously that they knew that this would hurt people. They knew it would cause myocarditis. They knew that this was not supposed to do what they claimed it was doing. They knew they were experimenting with gene therapy. They knew they were experimenting with any number of things we've shown you. And yet you get the screamers on two-party sides that just keep this thing rolling forward, even though what the vast majority of people around the world see what they did. That's the problem with politics. And a case I already showed you this, right? The ridiculous juxtaposition of HIV or excuse me, HVI or one, the new COVID variant HV one is now dormant or dominant. Excuse me. These are its most common symptoms. (laughs) Can you guess what they are? about the most basic benign symptoms you'd ever experience. Sniffy nose and sore throat and blah, blah, blah. So anything anywhere is now the same game, if they decide to. But here's the most concerning, and I don't want to worry anybody, because quite frankly, this everything about this screams manipulation to me. But, and I will go through this forward more as we, if this kind of becomes the story that it feels like last time was. This, by the way, is exactly how the COVID-19 illusion started. As of today, mystery pneumonia tears through schools in China with many, many hospitalized. An eerie echo of early days of COVID. Now, the reason I didn't put this in the title and didn't want to emphasize this is because I don't want this to become 
a hype. I mean, look, there's already all the people you'd expect. All the grifters out there are going to start hyping this. Like Chuck Costello, who put this out, by the way, the one who was lying about the hot, the children burned in a dumpster and then deleted it, never followed up on that. Just blindly stated exactly what they're saying as if we've already verified all of this, even though all of this is coming from China which seems like a very odd thing for a right-wing account to do. But you know what? It's all about making sure you get those clicks, right? The point is, this we should be very skeptical about. Let's not forget that in the beginning of the last time, it turns out, or rather actually after the fact, you look back and all the things we were told, the videos we were shown, most of that was fake. And even then, an investigation showed most of it came from the U.S. through China propaganda, like not through China's government, but the intelligence apparatus manipulations to make us think that was happening in China. We have to realize that. So this could very well be something similar. I quite frankly think there's far more overlap between China and the United States and collaboration than we realize. But this appears to be a pneumonia, right? That's what they're selling. And all of these are respiratory illness that causes pneumonia. Well, is that just pneumonia then? Right? What's the difference? What are we talking about? Is it something that is so problematic that pneumonia is a side effect of it? Even though what we end up seeing in all of these supposed other things that cause pneumonia, that they 90% die from pneumonia, or other things that we call pneumonia or COVID through that same paradigm, PIC and all that. But what it seems to be to me is in, uh, something, or they're lying about it, that's possible too, but it is pneumonia. And they're saying people are dying from it. Which, by the way, pneumonia has, just like the supposed 1918 flu was 99 vast majority pneumonia. So what I think historically and currently is what they do around all of this that makes this so much more problematic. But be skeptical. Do not freak out. Take precautions like you always have. Right. It's never been. A, I'd say I was saying this with somebody I just went to a movie with where I'm saying, look, like I, I have a little uh, natural hand spray thing that I use. And I was kind of getting a hard, given a hard time for it. Like I was somehow buying, buying into the COVID lies. And I said, you know what? It's funny because really what happened is there's an appropriate level of sanitation. There's an appropriate level of being cautious. And I think a lot of people were, you know, because of, and rightly so, were so concerned about the lies coming from it. They went a mile in the other direction. People are like, oh, I don't even wash my hands anymore. Not, not this person, but, and I think we have to realize that there's an appropriate level. You know, you don't want to, you want your hands to be clean when you're eating. That's just basic common knowledge, right? So make, be careful as always, but wearing a mask doesn't work. I think these injections are dangerous, but let's be, let's be real about this stuff. Well, in the work, in the sense of what we're talking about here. Now, moving on to the other topics, I wanted to make sure you saw what was developing here. We will follow up on this. Should this become more prominent? Please let me know. Now I want to start on this topic today with a tweet from Fiorella Isabella, which I think is important that really highlights something that I've said a few times, but I think she really encapsulated well right here. This topic has exposed, I think, a, more than anything I've seen before, the, I'll use the word grifter again, but that doesn't necessarily cover all of the thing I'm talking about here, but people that kind of straddle this party, the two-party illusion, and kind of align with whatever seems to be the kind of hot topic. You know, in this case, we're talking about the people that pretend to fight. I'll just, I'll just read what she said. The Palestinian genocide led by Israel and backed by Washington has exposed both the U.S. American anti-censorship right that now denies free speech to those advocating for Palestine in, in many cases and the woke liberal left that advocates against white supremacy and racism. Yet justifies illegal war crimes against indigenous Palestinian people as total frauds. They're all exposed as frauds. For the first time in modern history, this so-called conflict, truly an ethnic cleansing, has shown the world without doubt 
that both the conservative and liberal wings of the U.S. are nothing but fraudulent, pro-war, hypocritical, empty vessels of U.S. hegemony, and a reflection of our entire American history full only of slogans and smoke and mirrors, but not substantial reality. Things will never go back to how they were. Israel was done in her mind. I mean, I, I frankly, I agree with this. I think that, and again, what we're, what, at least I'll not put words in her mouth, but I believe I, I would argue she would agree. What I, what I think we're talking about is the Zionist state of Israel. Like Scott Ritter made very clear in his tweet the other day. Of course, Israel has a right to exist. People in Israeli have a right to exist. Zionist Israel does not. That's the, that's the argument. Very different. Now, the point is, especially today, obviously, if we're talking about the origin of occupied Palestine. Well, there's a very specific legality there and who would be legally right, who have the legal right to Palestine. But obviously, as we said the other day, using the American U.S. and Native American concept, the point is we've, this has been a, this a long time ago. And so most honest people at this point are calling for some legitimate allowance of a free state for Palestine, which Israel is viciously, vehemently, no, never going to happen. And by the way, I've been saying that for a very long time, despite what you're told in the corporate media. So I think this is important that we recognize that what they have done in regard to Gaza has exposed the true face of Zionism, as I wrote a while ago, and that they ultimately don't care about either side of this dynamic. They care about their own power, which, by the way, is pretty much what government is. But this is a very vicious case that I think we need to understand. Now, at an interesting point, a couple few points about tangential concepts to this bigger topic. This is from today. The United States military just dropped bombs right near the Iraqi capital. Now, this is a really interesting overlap because we're talking about the same. This is an occupied territory. So that means the U.S. government is bombing a territory which it occupies. Now, it's different than Israel and, pa and Gaza or occupied Palestine because it's a smaller area within something that it controls all the way around. Now, in this case, we're talking about an occupied territory, all of Iraq. But the United States is is basically in, it's the inverse of the situation. They've got their bases and their smaller areas, and then they're you know rack around it all. But they arguably control all of it as the occupying entity illegally. There's no debating that. So the fact that they just bombed right near the Iraqi capital, which Iraq itself, the government said, unacceptable violation of sovereignty. To which the U.S. says, we don't care because we've never cared about your sovereignty, but we care about your sovereignty. The joke from before when they literally voted for them to leave and they said, no, but we respect your sovereignty. It's like, but you don't though, because you just said no. It's just a childish game. But the point is that they're bombing an occupied area. And so always don't, as, as we'll read in this article, Iraqi entities fighting against the occupier are acting legally. Understand that. Just like Hamas or anybody in a pal, anyone from within Gaza acting against the occupier with armed resistance is legal under international law. It's protected. Crimes then committed in that process are obviously illegal. So when we see this happening, they're going to frame this as terrorism. Iraq, terrorist attacks on the U.S. It's not the reality. That doesn't mean I want Americans to be hurt. I don't want anybody to be hurt. But the law matters. For those that try to bend that and contort the reality into that we're the freedom-fighting good guys, therefore that doesn't apply, you are the one that's the problem. Honestly, even if you're right, because you're still pretending that doesn't apply to the freedom fighting good guys, but that's also not the reality. As pretty much any veteran you talk to will tell you these days. But here's what it says. A U.S. official 
told ABC News that the strikes were conducted against Qatar Hezbollah operations. So their set operation center and a Qatar Hezbollah command and control node. Now these are all kind of the PMU different, you know, resistance groups that are kind of a back and forth. I think this is more specifically Iraq, but that operate in Syria as well, specifically the PMU. But it says the U S attack, which targeted the town of, of Yerf al Shakar killed eight people. And Al Maidin's correspondent reported this, and they also announced that five of them were the members of Khatib Hezbollah. But just because they say that those are the bad guys does not therefore make them the bad guys. We should be aware of that by now. And in any sense, this means they're bombing an occupied area that they control. This is even to their own points, they're not in some ongoing war, right? So legally, they should have moved and let the people take back their territory. That's how this is supposed to go. At least we pretend in modern society. Everyone that says there's no rules of war, blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, well, then don't get, don't complain when somebody does something that's illegal, right? That's, this is this game that's played, right? If we're pretending that we're the ones fighting for a better future and a society with laws and rules-based international order, well, then you have to abide by those. It says, in response to the attack, the Iraqi government released a statement calling it an unacceptable violation of sovereignty, right? The government that is occupied by the United States, arguably that they claim that, I mean, a government, by the way, that was put together by the United States. And noting that the bombing took place without the knowledge of the government agency. That in and of itself is a huge grievance or a huge violation. They're supposed to tell this is supposed to be coordinated with the Iraqi government in any sense, because you're acting within Iraq. Now it says Wednesday's airstrikes came in response. Well, first of all, or I guess second of all, I should say, let's make sure we understand. They're going to, you know, people out who don't understand the situation are going to pray. Why would they let the bad guys know? Well, let's remember this is a government that's post their invasion. So they are like, we did it. We got rid of the bad guys. And now we are setting up a government that they're working with. So you can't go on pretending like this is the their, this is their part, put together government. So it's not the same thing as pretending like you're not working with the bad guys. But suddenly now that we're starting to get bombed again, well, I'm sure that will just invert back, reverse back to that situation. But doesn't that mean that the U.S. government put the bad guys in place? Well, yeah, that's pretty much how it always goes. Wednesday's airstrike came in response to daily attacks against U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria. This is the fourth round of airstrikes carried out by Washington in response to the surge of resistance attacks, which are all protected under international law. The attacks are launched in, quote, response to the crimes committed by the enemy against our people in Gaza. So that's what they're saying in response to the attacks that are happening on the occupied and occupier in Iraq, which is the United States government. And by the way, we know Israel operates in this area as well. Many of these, I would wonder whether I'll get to a point today where I wonder whether Israel is the one that carried out an attack and the U.S. just took credit for it because they have to act like they know what's going on. But interestingly enough, it's all of this very much does tie back into the of what's going on in Gaza. Now, then in reverse, they frame that as they're all working together as terrorists to hurt the freedom lovers of the world. And it's just, it's just such a, I don't think anybody's buying it. The world can see what's happening in Gaza. People that are standing up in defense of that are not seen as bad guys. The U.S. forces have been attacked approximately 66 times since October 17th. 32 separate times in Iraq, 34 separate times in Syria. You know what the solution to that is? Stop illegally occupying the territory. At least 60 U.S. soldiers have suffered traumatic brain injuries injuries, and others. Are we still playing that game? It's weird how nobody ever gets killed. It's always, always brain injuries. So you're constantly telling us that it's so strong of an explosion that you can cause that many traumatic brain injuries, but weirdly, no one ever gets killed. But we're, th this is the same as it denying anybody gets hurt anywhere else. 
Very strange. Unless they want to, of course. Then they because the point is if you admit somebody was killed, well, people call for blood. Then you get forced to take action. This tells me they don't want to do anything yet. Not more than their their in bombings here and there. Because if this becomes an American died, well, people like Lindsey Graham will scream for blood. And that will drive action. And maybe they don't want that yet. Sarah Abdallah also points out they're currently, and this was uh, yesterday, bombing Syria's capital, Damascus. So you want to explain that, people of the world? Well, we're telling, we're, we're, we're being told that they're defending themselves against all the, okay, well, then they bombed the massive civilian location of Damascus, the center, the capital city of Syria. Why? Well, they've been doing it constantly for the last, however long since the, since the illegal occupation of Syria started. And nobody cared then. It's a crime. Why does why does the law not apply to Israel's actions? Why is that? Are they, are they defending themselves preemptively against Syria? It says within a single day alone, Israel has bombed Gaza, South Lebanon, and Syria. Israel is not the victim. It's the aggressor. You'd think that would be stupidly obvious. Now, one other point in regard to, well, actually a few more points here, but this is an interesting one in regard to the bigger picture that we've talked about. Early in this conversation, we brought up the point about the supposed gas reserves underneath Gaza. I don't say supposed because it's I can't confirm it personally. I just don't know whether that's a ploy. But nonetheless, it's been stated by the United Nations and others. There seems to be billions, hundreds of billions of dollars worth of gas reserves or whatever you'd call it under uh, that they could possibly profit from as a as a country, which will never be allowed to be used for Gaza unless or rather Palestine, unless something changes. But we talked about this. And my point was, I don't think this was all that it was about. But it was something that was almost dismissed. But now Biden just made it a reality. He says, well, rather, Haaretz reports, of course, the U.S. President Joe Biden's energy security advisor is visiting Israel to discuss potential economic revitalization plans for Gaza. Of course, centered around undeveloped offshore natural gas fields. Of course. Well, let me, let me ask you a question. How is it about plans for Gaza when you're removing everybody from Gaza? Oh, I see. So it's just going to be for that location that you then occupy. And then all of a sudden, it's a flourishing, wonderful area with so much money after you drove all of the population out of it. Well, yeah, that's the point. But to, continue, to, make, it out, to make it sound like Biden's looking to revitalize Gaza, make it all better for them. Well, that'll sound like they're humanitarians while they're basically raping, robbing, and stealing from the ground and displacing all of these people into other locations so they can benefit from this, which is, by the way, already happening. They've already, the Israeli, the Israeli soldiers have not left northern Gaza. They're essentially digging in roots. And as they continue to shift into bombing the south, well, where's everybody supposed to go? We'll get into that. They're, they're not letting them back to the north. This is not, it's not hard to understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to hurt and cause so much damage. To, so, so then the argument becomes, please, Egypt, please, anybody, let them in so we can stop this bombing. We, we don't even know who's doing it. Who's responsible? Well, obviously it's Israel, but that's how the world is acting. We just got to end this terrible thing. We don't even know who's responsible. No one's really saying that, but that's kind of the sentiment, right? We can all see what's happening. We can all see who's bombing. We can all see who's not allowing aid in and who's not allowing them to be helped. We're going to get to the, the pause in a second, but I want you to understand what we're dealing with here. Now, another point that I thought was really interesting, Dan Cohen points something out. We'll start, actually, go back to this and start here. A soldier with a thick Southern U.S. accent, and he says apparently a U.S. Marine, gives speech calling to burn Gaza to the ground, hunt Palestinians like animals. It's unclear if he's Israeli, too. U.S. Special Forces are in Israel. Are they participating in the genocide of Gaza? Now, this is a fact, by the way. 
This has been proven from the beginning. We know even know that we even know there was a three-star general helping with the operations from the very beginning on the ground per Axios. So the question is, is this actually a U.S. soldier or a Marine? So I'll let you listen to it first. Turn their city to the ground. Yeah. I'll find every rat hole that they hide in. And I will drop down enough explosives to scare God on that. I see men. I do not see soldiers. Now, I, I you can hear the guy kind of laughing. Right? So that first that's one of the first indications to me that I'm like, okay, is this guy pretending to be an American? That's certainly possible. It is hunt season in Gaza. <laughs> <laughs> You will all be well fed before this is done. And this blows, I have a message. Just as I would like to get to my enemy, wherever he may be, I will pass that message on to you so that when you find him, you can tell him that I sent him. On October 7th, you killed my angel. So I have only my demons to send. So dig your graves, dig them wide, and dig them deep. Okay. So he says this. Sabrina Singh, who is the press secretary for the State Department, I believe, says this is misinformation and dangerous to keep circulating. This is not a U.S. Marine. Hmm. Interesting way to say that, as this person writes. Is that another way of saying he's in the Army, the Navy? He simply asks, well, is he a member of the U.S. military in any capacity? His American accent and the fact that he says hoorah or oorah, commonly used as U.S. soldiers, suggests he is. Please clarify. Of course, no response. Not that I could tell anyway. Let's see if she did since then. Nope. Which, I, you know, doesn't surprise me. Okay. So what this actually said, oh, let me see if it's still here. Okay, this is what it says on this video right here. They are acting out a scene from the Inglorious Bastards movie. Also, if you have dual citizenship, well, that, that's irrelevant, I think, to this point. Basically saying that you, I don't even know why that comes up. It says if you have dual citizenship and one of the countries has national service, then you would need to do it. I don't even know why that's relevant. But, okay, so Inglorious, Inglorious Bastards. Now, you watch this clip. It gives you that clip where Brad, uh, 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 Brad, why am I forgetting his name all of a sudden? Brad, it's not Brad Smith, is it? Brad, uh, Jesus, that's weird. Anyway, the main character, total, that's weird, um, is talking to the people before they start going out to hunt Nazis, right? Not a single word of what he says here is in that clip. So I thought, okay, that's strange. And then I just looked up the, the, the script from the movie. And none of the words he says are in this script. So that's weird, first of all, just that this... <laughs> ridiculous like these are just being weaponized today that's just apparently not true unless i'm missing something now either way i think it's interesting now it, he, the guy's laughing and so on but he ends with a pretty serious note about having his angel killed and you know so on but you know, I, I don't know you guys tell brad pitt thank you i don't know why i couldn't think of that you tell me what you think this so it's clear it's not really up for debate that there are americans on the ground that this is happening but the important part is one of two things 
well, really, just in, well, I guess it, the two, the one of the unpo- the possibilities is that he's American and he's there and he's saying burn this to the ground, kill all of them, right? But either way, my point is that let's just say he's acting out a, a script, even though that doesn't come from the script you claim is there. The this represents either an American or an Israeli who is saying burn it to the ground and kill them all. That's the point, guys. Regardless of whether it's an American. We need to hear what they're telling you. And it's not just this script they say he's acting from. They have gone on to say this at every turn. Turn it to a parking lot. They were human animals. We want to kill them all. There's nobody innocent. There's no non-combatants existing in Gaza. That, that's come from every level of their military, their government. And yet we somehow debate this. That's why everybody sees this. You should, be, you should follow Dan. He's doing excellent work. Now, a couple of points I think are important, especially things like this. So we're pretending like the U.S. government or anybody else cares about what's going on when you see stuff like this. Israel bombs Gaza aid groups after the U.S. government shares their coordinates. This, this is the world we're living in right now, where they're giving them information and then they use that to murder civilians, which, by the way, could be uh, their Israeli detainees, could be Americans, could be British, because they're there. Whether they're Palestinian Americans or Palestinian Brits, Brits or any number of people that are, are already in Gaza or the detainees they took, which also includes those people. Why don't the American government or the British government, why don't they care about that? Why do they care about 47 days of indiscriminate bombing where they might be? Do they not care about their people? No, they do not, guys. And if you haven't seen that by now, based on this whole situation, you're just not paying attention. Don't you think if they cared about, like, if they, the way they act about Iran supposedly holding some person illegally, one person becomes this huge story. But you have people right now being held in Gaza or people that are being bombed as Palestinians in Gaza that are Americans, that are British. They don't care. They don't, I haven't heard a word about that for weeks. And on top of that, the Israel gets coordinates from the U.S. government and bombs one of the aid groups who are helping and working with those very people. It's despicable. This is how obvious this is. Catherine Russell posts, Today, I briefed the Security Council, she's from UNICEF, after my visit to Gaza. She says, I'm haunted by what I saw and heard. The effects of the violence perpetrated on children is catastrophic. The violence must end. All hostages, especially children, must be released. And her point, by the way, as we read what she actually says, is from every side. Even though you seem to only get one call about releasing people in the on the main stage today, now this guy's is powerful. Now, like any other conversation we've gotten into, I'm not saying we should blindly trust any of these international groups. But what's important about this is not only are these the groups that we've always seen sort of aligning with the with the establishment with the agenda in most ways. But are usually the groups they have always classically told you to look to, to understand, to add context to what's happening. Is it a war crime? Are these actual genocides? You tell us these are the groups they tell you to look to. Not just UNICEF alone, but all these NGOs and human rights groups and United Nations elements. As we should then turn, likewise be skeptical of them, just like this too. But the fact that it's so sharply turned and all of these power structures are maintaining the lie while everybody else is saying otherwise, it need, it's important, even if they're lying. But I don't believe that. I think this is exactly what's happening. And I think it's become so obvious that these people are either forced to point it out or maybe they actually just care. 
like an individual in these cases that care about the fact that she just witnessed genocide. Now, here's what she writes. And read the whole thing, guys, because it's very powerful. She says, since October 7th, 35 Israeli children have been report have reportedly been killed, while more than 30 are being held hostage in Gaza. Like the Secretary General has said, the agreement to release hostages is welcome, but much more needs to be done. UNICEF will continue to call on parties to safely release abducted children. So these 35 children, we're told, were killed in Israel. Not ongoing, but on the 7th. 35. So I guess we can put to bed the 40 beheaded babies, right? We all agree that that's been an egregious and insulting and just dastardly lie from the very beginning. Yeah, because it was. And even they've walked it back. But now, not only do we have Haaretz information that says that the people that were killed, the the youngest example was four. That's none of these. And, and, and going up from there, not babies. But now, all this time, 47 days later, 35 children were killed, which is horrifying. And nobody should act like that doesn't matter. We should definitely find out who killed them, especially since there's been a whole lot that's changed the dynamic over here. But either way, let's not forget, Hamas did take civilians. Those are crimes, and they are responsible for that and should be held accountable. But 35 children sort of changes the understanding of the lies we were told right from the beginning. 30 are being held hostage in Gaza, which, again, depending on how this ends up, these things need to be clarified. We've had a lot said that we can't prove. But we know they took some. And my point is that that matters no matter what. But it says, I, this, she goes on to say, I had planned to travel to Israel and the West Bank last week as well, but I was advised by doctors to postpone my visit after sustaining injuries in a car crash en route to Rafah. She found that interesting. She says, we visited the West Bank. Over the past six weeks, 56, or rather they say our deputy executive director visited the West Bank. Over the past six weeks in the West Bank, guys, not Hamas, we're talking about the West Bank. As much as they often say, well, we are suspected of Hamas membership and blah. There is, Hamas does not control the West Bank. 56 Palestinian children. Remember, it's like 200 plus, 250 people have been killed, Palestinians. 56 of them are children. Are we pretending they're Hamas members in the West Bank? Like, I don't think people understand that. 56 Palestinian children have been killed in the West Bank since October 7th. Why? while scores have been displaced from their homes in the West Bank. We estimate that 450,000 children in the West Bank need humanitarian assistance, not Gaza. So if you can't see that and understand this is not about Hamas, but about Palestine, then you're you're choosing to ignore the reality right in front of you. How do you pretend 56 children were killed in the last six weeks if other than just indiscriminate actions and an act against Palestine as a whole? She goes on to say, remember, this is UNICEF. While I was there, I spoke with a 16-year-old girl lying in her hospital bed. She was badly injured when her neighborhood was bombed. And the doctors told her she will never walk again. In the hospital's neonatal ward, I saw tiny babies clinging to life in incubators as doctors worried how they would keep, could keep the machines running without fuel. One of the primary reasons, in my opinion, they were in, consist making sure fuel does not enter, not just for the babies, but for anything that maintains their infrastructure. She goes on to say, I also spoke with a UNICEF staff member who, despite losing 17 members of her own extended family, is working heroically to provide children and families in Gaza with access to safe water and sanitation. By the way, that was in Khan Yunus. 
you know, the place that Dershowitz famously said would be safe. Quote, more than 5,300 Palestinian children have been reportedly killed in 46 days. 5,300, 53 in the West Bank. And we're told to com- the, the comparative points to what happened since then is 35 children killed, which is disgusting and horrible, and 30 taken. Just for some comparison here, some, uh, some, some um, perspective. 5,300, which by the way, is 115 children every day for, for weeks. For 46 days, 115 children die every day for 46 days straight and still now happening. Every day that passes, based on this, based on what we've been seeing, that's 115 children, or rather just looking at the last 47 days. 115 children a day. 115 children a day die because of defending themselves. 115 children die every day because Israel's defending itself. Should we say that again? Can we really understand the gravity of that statement? Nowhere in the world have I ever seen this, let alone seen it happening in this context, in this short period of time. That's what everyone tries to do to compare it to other wars. It's 46 days, not four years of a war, 46 days. And the amount of munitions dropped is more than two nuclear bombs. 115 children a day because they're defending themselves for 47 days straight, because that makes sense. Based on these figures, children account for 40% of the deaths in Gaza, defending themselves. This is unprecedented. In other words, today, the Gaza Strip is the most dangerous place in the world to be a child. In the world. Over any of the locations they would like to scream about. Russia or China or anywhere else. Gaza. Not because of what Hamas is doing. Not because of what the Palestinians are doing. But because of the ongoing murder campaign by Israel. Quote, we are also receiving reports that more than 1,200 children remain under the rubble of bombed out buildings or otherwise accounted for, unaccounted for. So about the same amount they claim were kidnapped are killed under the rubble, just children. Quote, of note, the number of deaths in the present crisis has far surpassed the total number of deaths during previous escalations. For comparison, a total of 1,653 children were verified as killed in 17 years of monitoring and reporting of grave violations between 2005 and 2022. So understand this. Between 2005 and 2022, 1,653. In 47 days, they have killed, what, seven times that many children? Six times that many children? That should make you feel sick. Today, Quote, today, well over 1.7 million people in Gaza, half of whom are children, are displaced. That's a war crime as well. We project that over the next few months, child wasting, which just makes me so sad, the idea that we're we're not just talking about bombing, right? These are children starving to death. Over the next few months, they call what they call child wasting. The most life-threatening form of malnutrition in children could increase by nearly 30% in Gaza. Quote, meanwhile, I'll stop saying quote since this is all her quote. Meanwhile, water production capacity has plummeted to just 5% of its normal output. Okay, so 75%, or excuse me, 97% 
of the water was undrinkable before this. Undrinkable. Now, the total water output is less than 5% of what it was before. That's still with undrinkable water. That's why people are getting sick just by trying to drink what water they have. Sanitation services on top of that in general have collapsed. And that's one point I get concerned about. These conditions are leading to disease outbreaks. Which, by the way, could then be used by the Israeli agenda, right? To argue, well, now they're disease-ridden. Now it's because of the way they live. Whatever the nonsense will be told. And then it justifies moving them even more. More than two-thirds, she says, of hospitals are no longer functioning because of a lack of fuel and water or because they sustained catastrophic damage and attacks. Many of which aren't even mentioned, right? Hamas present? We don't even know. No, they don't, they don't even bother to make an allegation. They just bomb the hospital and move on. And we can prove to you that these things are not what they claim they are. We already have, including Al-Shifa, by the way, despite their clumsy effort to continue the story. WHO estimates that at least 16 health workers have been killed, 38 injured while on duty. Right? And as KB says in the chat, can you, I mean, I see, I hate even thinking about this. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this bothers me more than almost anything just because of how unaware animals. Can you think of how many animals are suffering in all of this? Dying, starving. It just, it just makes you sick. It says, we are also seeing devastating attacks on schools with close to 90% of all school buildings sustained damage. 90% of all the schools? It's just, I mean, I'm just, I mean Syrian girl just showed, showed a clip of the Israeli military using one of these schools to fight from. That, that, that either way that goes, it's still a crime. Nearly 80% of the remaining school facilities are being used as shelters for internally displaced people, which they bombed then and then claim Hamas was there. But even these spaces where children and families have sought safety after fleeing their homes have come under attack. This has got to be one of the most obvious. I I mean, crime just doesn't do it justice. But one of the most obvious crimes I've ever seen carried out in front of the world. And not only are we watching it happen, but the rules-based international order is telling you that it's okay. Not just okay, but it's justified. It's the right thing to do. That's what makes me so sick about this. This past weekend, strikes on two schools, which we reported to you, including the United Nations Al-Fakura School, which was sheltering displaced people, which killed 24 people. UNICEF condemns all attacks on schools. They're not claiming there was Hamas there. They didn't even cover this. Where's the corporate media? Inside Gaza, the war has also caused the largest ever loss of life for UN personnel ever with more than 100 United Nations Palestinian Refugee Agency staff killed. And in last days, the WHO colleague was killed along with her six-month-old baby, her husband, and her two brothers. How do you explain that? You know why it's happening? Because they're indiscriminately bombing because they don't care who gets killed. It's a WHO colleague. Not a Palestinian, not a Hamas member, a WHO member with her six-year-old baby and her husband and two brothers. Now, I mean, I didn't mean she very well may be Palestinian. My point being is it's not somebody who is in God. This is a WHO employee, like a UN staff member. These are people that are there acting at an official capacity, which, by the way, obviously we should be skeptical and doubtful of of the organizations. 
My point is not to say that we believe what they're saying. My point is that these are people who are always and have always been off limits in these contexts. In, in, yeah, in this context. And now the very people that would, I mean, can you imagine if in any other circumstance, whether it was Iran or Russia or China, if one, any one of these things were happening, UN member, a WHO member, a child, it would never stop. But all we hear today, Hamas, human shields, it's justified. You're a terrorist. Isn't that incredible? This was from today. David Miller just adds a point to this that I thought was very relevant to see not this is for the people that want to act like this all started on October 7th or that what they've always done is give them everything and it's Hamas that doesn't let it happen, right? It's just such an insulting lie that's so easy to disprove. Here's one example. Rainwater, sort of like we happen in this country, right? Where you're not allowed to collect rainwater, but it's a little more invasive than that. They say it's the property of Israel. Palestinians are apparently forbidden from gathering rainwater. The source is from a United Nations report. According to Israeli military orders, in effect, in the area, rain is the property of the Israeli authorities, and thus Palestinians are forbidden from gathering rainwater for domestic or agricultural needs. According to the Israeli military orders are in effect, rain is the property of the Israeli authorities. Now, how do you explain that? How do you pretend that they want to give them what they need, but they won't even allow them to get water or they're going to break the law? And it says, and we've already told you this, Robert's broken this down, as well as prohibiting nearly all construction of wells necessary for Palestinians to secure additional quantities of water. The point is they want to control what they're able to do through their food, their water, their infrastructure, everything. If not, get rid of them entirely, which we're seeing today. These policies have denied communities access to water, sanitation, toilet, sewage, networks, everything. And then turn around and blame them. The link is right here, by the way. Read it for yourself. Now, let's get into some of the lies that I want you to see. A couple you've already seen, some new ones you haven't, before we get into the ceasefire so you can understand why I strongly believe that somebody acting with not in good faith is not going to abide by the ceasefire. So here's a great video by Not This News in regard to, here's the title, Political Analyst Deanna Butu Explains Israeli Propaganda understand that by attacking us, they've made a mistake of historic proportions. We will exact a price that will be remembered by them and Israel's other enemies for decades to come. The Israeli government has made it clear what it intends to do in the Gaza Strip. They've been very open about saying that they want to flatten the Gaza Strip. They've already indicated that it's going to be smaller in size. We've also heard members of Knesset advocate the Palestinians be sent elsewhere. The reason that people are not questioning what the Israeli government is doing is because it's a combination of dehumanization and Islamophobia. The Israeli government has spent decades and energy and money trying to dehumanize Palestinians and trying to throw all sorts of allegations against Palestinians in the hope that they stick. It's also a question of Islamophobia. Well, of course, all Muslims do this. 
that seems to somehow work. And this is the part that is so not only disheartening, but it's dangerous. When you go down the path of simply accepting state propaganda, it leads to what we're seeing now, which is ethnic cleansing and genocide. In the early days of the Israeli attack on the Gaza Strip, an Israeli reporter came up with a claim that there were 40 beheaded babies. But even though it's now clear that there weren't any babies that were beheaded, President Biden persists in making the same claim. We're even cutting babies' heads off to burning, burning women and children alive. President Biden is standing in lockstep with Israel, a country that is effectively bombing a refugee camp. The number of bombs that Israel has dropped. Um... And by the way, she means all of Gaza, but also the Jabali refugee camp specifically, which killed 400 people, to, I guess, were told to kill one Hamas member. And that was within international law, we're told. Think about how absurd that is. But yes, Gaza in and of itself is a refugee camp. On the Gaza Strip, six thousand prison refugee camp a week is the equivalent of carpet bombing an entire area. This is not the carpet bombing. This is a different thing. We're going through these tunnels. We're going in the hospital. The I mean, do you really think he has any clue what he's talking about? Like, and she can barely even fumble these words out. And it's just so, it's so insulting to anyone's intelligence that he's acting like this is some precision campaign when they themselves on the record said the, inge- the objective is damage, not accuracy. It's just that alone destroys their narrative. And it's published by The Guardian. Allegations that Israel has been putting forward are allegations that they made in 2008 and 2009. They made them again in 2012. They made them again in 2014. They make these same allegations over and over again. And yet what we've seen is that doctors, international doctors, Palestinian doctors have come forward and said there's absolutely nothing under a shifa. We've also seen Human Rights Watch and other human rights organizations come forward and say the same. So what we've seen is that President Biden has simply been parroting the Israeli talking points, including parroting the talking point about not wanting to see a ceasefire. The ceasefire. No, no possibility, huh? The point is, while he said that, he knew that he was pushing them, or at least that, that's the, the leaks were telling us that could be false too, to do so. But the reality is, as we see it now happening, that it was ongoing. So why did he say no possibility? Because he was trying to keep that narrative in hopes that they would give up as if they would think there's no possibility of a ceasefire. But this is what we need to understand as Americans or literally anybody living under a government. So pretty much everybody. They are never telling you the truth. Sometimes the truth happens to align with what they want you to know. Very rarely. But what they're always telling you, always, is what they want you to see, the perception they want you to have. In hopes they can create that. But either way, they're lying to you. Always. And it's like we all know this, but yet weirdly don't like to admit it when it's our, you know, in many different circumstances. It would be a surrender to Hamas. It would be a victory for Hamas. Right. So if it's a victory for Hamas, the argument would be that they just gave them a victory. Right. Is that what we're saying now? Is he standing up and saying we just gave Hamas a victory by initiating a ceasefire? Why would they say that and then do this? It's either a massive failure for them because of public push. I really don't know. But I, the main point is that it's not even a ceasefire, right? I, my big question is why they call this a ceasefire. I think it's because they know they're losing control and they hope this gives them some kind of clout. 
They've been saying ceasefire, never, not going to happen. No, maybe a pause. And then they call this a ceasefire. In and of itself, that's just embarrassing. Hamas agrees to release the hostages. Then there would be a pause. Well, there'd be a ceasefire for that purpose. Uh, and we're waiting for that to happen. It hasn't happened so far. What Netanyahu is saying is actually incorrect. A lie. In the early days of the attack on the Gaza Strip, it was Hamas who came forward and said yep. that they would release the hostages. But instead, Netanyahu said, no, we're going yep. to continue to bomb the Gaza Strip. If you're an Israeli, this should make you outraged, which plenty of you already are. They've been lying to you the entire time. He And I've been, I argue with people on Twitter about this. You guys have seen me talk about this root. I think it's, I mean, I don't even know how many times at this point we've, I've seen it happen three or four times, but the point is since the first week, everyone, the whole exchange has been on the table. We got these. We want to exchange. You give us our people back. We'll give you yours. Now, Israel has flatly denied or refused anything that is some, you know, any in, I'll get into this in a second, but you know, military age men and so on. But the reality being that if the whole point was actually getting your people back, you would have given them what they want. Now, of course, people will say, well, you can't give them back. The okay, the, you could argue why that doesn't make sense. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do or not. I'm not saying either way. My point, though, is that if they really did want their people back, which is what they say, we're, the only objective is to get our people back and then take out Hamas. The point is that they're killed. They, the objective is to annihilated Palestine under the guise of going after Hamas and their hostages or detainees or prisoners are an afterthought. As we've already told you, and we can clearly see they've killed some of them already. And, and Hamas has released many of them with for nothing. And they've come back and said they treated us kindly. I think ultimately the obvious point is they don't want these people to come back and admit that they were shot at by the IDF. They saw their father get killed by the IDF and that Hamas treated them kindly, all of which are very possible. And that's why we're at where we at right now. Netanyahu is not at all interested in returning hostages because there have been numerous proposals on the table. Right. And the only reason that there is now talk of returning hostages on the Israeli side is because these families have been coming forward and pushing the Netanyahu government to uh -huh. raise the issue. So we've seen Outraged. time and again that what the Israelis want to do is they just want to bomb Gaza. They don't care about the Israelis who are in Gaza right now. All they care about is flattening Gaza. I mean, that's so stark. I mean, it's just so incredible that we, it's so obvious. And this is what I'm trying to show Americans in particular. The Israeli people are furious. Now, it's a mixed bag of who wants to continue to bomb Gaza, who wants to get rid of Hamas. Most of them, I would argue. But first and foremost, they're saying, stop everything. Do whatever you need to get our people back. And they and, and they're I mean, I just showed you one with Ben Gavir literally screaming at them. You don't have a, a, a monopoly on rage or whatever he said or on on, on sor um, sadness or whatever he said, like completely doesn't care about these people. My point is Biden and your media want you to think otherwise, that they're all fighting for their freedom and we should support them. They, they are the ones they see their government as the enemy at this point. And you know what? They should just like we should. This is more example about the lies that we've been seeing. If you haven't seen this already, this is an important one. We've been covering the concept of the Al-Shifa hospital and the lies about the tunnels and so on. Recently just covered this one. This is from Reveal that Israel built a command center and tunnel structure system under Al-Shifa hospital. 
Now, this is important because we just caught them or th- whoever, somebody, well, went too far here. There we go. Altering Wikipedia. Now, this could just as easily be a random Wikipedia person, but somebody edited this page. As, as I just wrote, the Wikipedia page for Al Shifa Hospital has now been edited to remove the fact that tunnels were built under the hospital in 1983 by Israel. Here's the show, or one of them. I, I show it on two of them, actually. This was the other one. Israel caught lying about Al Shifa. And this one is Israel. Oh, wait, which one was it? Is that the right? I'm going to put the wrong link in there. Anyway. Denies Gaza crisis. Yeah, I think I put the wrong one. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. The point is, here's the page to the Wikipedia link, or the link to the page. So obviously, as you saw before, and I'll show you right from the mouth of the former prime minister, in particular, I'll read the the whole paragraph. It says, the architects also designed and built a large array of underground infrastructure which the IDF later pointed to as part of the Hamas infrastructure. It says, in particular, in 1983, the Israelis built a secure underground operating room and tunnel network beneath Building 2 of the Al-Shifa Hospital. Very clear. Because remember, this whole page is about Al-Shifa. So that's why it says just the hospital. Now, as of a couple days ago, this is now what it says. During a renovation in the 1990s, a large basement was added, which the IDF later said was appropriated by Hamas. So let me ex- explain how it goes from a tunnel system, an operation room, to a basement, and from 83 to the 90s. So are were you lying the whole time? No, this is the carefully crafted lie. That's what this is. To hide the fact that they just got caught in their own lies about what they claimed they found, right? So literally, they go in and they find a, a, a room with a couple of guns that they've likely put there based on even the BBC and CNN covering what they're saying. Not an underground tunnel system, not a massive command center. So what does Wikipedia do? Just update the reality. Is that That's not how it's supposed to work, right? They don't dictate the reality about what they find. The reality is supposed to be based on facts we can prove, but not by Wikipedia standpoint. That's everywhere, guys. This is everywhere. Here's another example. This even France 24, a very huge mainstream platform, is exposing viral fake staged videos that are claiming Hamas is present in Al-Shifa. This one is of a supposed nurse denouncing Hamas occupation of Al-Shifa, like she's secretly exposing it. Breathless going, I have to tell you, Hamas is in in the hospital. Guess what? Even France 24, in their own investigation, proves that it's a fake. Now explain this. Why would they need to fake these? Whoever did. If it's so obvious they're in the hospital. Here's the video. If you're faking, Kathleen is over by the big board. Good evening to you. A viral video of a nurse denouncing a Hamas occupation in the Al-Shifa hospital in Gaza. Okay. Truth or fake? Well, Mark, here's uh, the publications sharing uh, this video, shared uh, mostly by pro-Israeli accounts since November 11th. Uh, this video that we see right here has already accumulated over 1.5 million views in the platform uh, in a video uh, see, where... 1.5 million views. It's a fake. She'll show you. Based on many different technological in- investigation points, as well as the fact... Well, I'll let her explain it. But what's the classic saying? I think it was... Uh... I'm forgetting his name. Anyway, you know that the the truth the 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 a lie will circle the world twice. I think before the truth gets its boots on, something like that. Paraphrasing, forget. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. You name him in the chat. What his name was, but it's it's, it's true, isn't it? 
Where this so-called nurse allegedly works at Gaza's most talk about hospital right now, Gaza's Al-Shifa Hospital. Uh, in the video, she denounces what she says is the Hamas occupation of this hospital as she accuses Hamas of stealing the hospital's food, medicine and a fuel. So let's take a look at this video. It's about one minute long, so uh, bear with me here. Uh, let's begin by hearing what she says. But the world has to know, has to know what Hamas is making here. So think about this. Look at the way Mark Mark Twain. Thank you, Kay. That's Mark Twain who I was talking about. Look at this video. Like she's, oh, so like, so this is fake, guys. This is not real. I just have to let you know what's the, the real story. Can we not see by now that this is an, this is a massive intelligence propaganda effort? Why? Because they're effing murdering people and they know you see it. They're trying to get enough momentum to hide and avoid accountability or whatever it is. This is, it's amazing the amount of lies that are being pushed out. Now, I'll, I'm, I'm going to skip past her video just so we can get to the fact check part of it. So you can see it just to cut. I think this is like seven minutes. Taking over the entire so she says the world has to know what Hamas is doing. The fuel, the medicine, doing food, medicine. I have nothing in the background for a five. In the back explosions, in oh, the background. So you hear explosions in the background. That's relevant to the fact check. For a five, a five-year-old boy. God. Without no, like right out of babies out of incubators, right? The, the the classic lie, right? Same thing. That girl cried in front of Congress. She was lying, right? Remember that. Very convincingly, a young girl crying, saying she saw the baby. She lied. There's no way around it because it didn't happen in regard to Iraq, the classic story of Iraq, right? Babies and incubators. So my point, just because it's convincing or sad or very emotional does not mean people, you know, the idea is when you try to investigate, people attack you. How dare you? How dare you question this? Like the allegations of rape or anything else. How dare you even question? Well, how dare I not? How dare you not ask for evidence? So here you can see her crying because... And she continues crying throughout the video as we continue to hear more of these continued explosions in the background in this video that shows this alleged account of this nurse in the Al-Shifa hospital. Powerful. Uh, that's, again, doesn't it, Kathleen? Crisis acting, if it's fake. Or Isn't it funny that all these terms that used to be like outrageous, like you even mentioned crisis actor, you're the most ridiculous person alive, and now it's become like a mainstream, like it's just so funny how these things change, right? Like, you know, when they're, well, anyway. Or, or maybe if it's, if it's not, I mean, we're confused, but certainly what she's saying is compelling. But is it true or is it false? That's the question, isn't it, still? Well, that was definitely the point here to confuse uh, people. But uh, due to several elements that we will explain, we have concluded that this video is a fake and that it is a staged or, as you call it, crisis acting. Uh, first this is France 24. I mean, this is not some fringe platform, guys. This is a huge ma mainstream platform in France. First of all, uh, let's take a listen again uh, to if we fast forward. Uh, to say they're not in France necessarily, but you know, same point, just France 24. And seven of the video, what Hamas is making here, you can hear that sound of explosion once again. It, it doesn't seem authentic enough, uh, and that's what Eek had of facts concluded as well on X uh, with a thorough uh, technical examination of the audio in this video. Uh, they found that all of the explosions in the video sound exactly the same. Uh, and I believe that in real life, there's not one detonation that sounds exactly the same as the other. Uh, and that's because of, you know, hitting different things, 
right? Like an explosion can be similar in, in a vacuum, the same kind of thing, but bombing different buildings to falling different ways, right? Never sounds exactly the same. And most, the average person might not be able to hear the difference, but as she shows you. So here they also published this graph where we can notice uh, this identical pattern of uh, the sounds in throughout the video, uh, concluding that the sounds used in the video were most certainly added in, uh, probably using a sound back bank or something like that. Uh, then there's also her accent uh, to Arabic speaking uh, colleagues at France uh, 24 pointed out uh, pronunciation errors in Arabic. We're going to fast forward to where they heard these errors uh, to second uh, 50. Right there where she says the word leave in Arabic, uh, a mistake that according to our journalists, a person fluent, fluent in Arabic uh, would not have made. Uh, then for a final element, there's the, this, uh, uh, this red stethoscope that the nurse holds in her hand. Uh, one of our observers here, Matat Hajjaj, who spent several weeks in the Al-Hali hospital. He uh, said that usually in Gaza, the stethoscopes used in the hospitals are usually blue or red. Uh, and he also indicated that he at least never saw this person in this hospital. Uh, that is what also point out Gaza's a bit. You get the point. It's almost done anyway, but it's just, it, it's fake based on a, a, a technological breakdown and, and obvious lapses by the people doing this. Thank you, Jonathan. He just your French state media, best way to frame France 24. Pretty incredible. Here's the actual video, so you guys can see it right from their own platform. Almost 600,000 views, right? See, I'm telling people want to see this. They want to understand. They're thirsty for honest engagement. Denouncing Hamas occupation is fake. So, you know, just think about where we are right now, where all this stuff is being shown, and yet you're getting attacked and called out by your, your government's acting like, you know, or people like Ben Shapiro pretending like you're a racist, terrible human being. The world sees him. And I'm not saying that hyperbolically, like I legitimately based on polls, which you shouldn't take at face value, but based on every metric we're looking at, they've lost control so bad that this is never going to be the same. And that's a good thing, ultimately, aside from the genocide that triggered it. Now, this is another one. Israeli propaganda is genuinely insane. Now, you've seen this one, but I wanted to see it again based on her breakdown. I think we just briefly mentioned this in passing, showing you the video, showing you the actual translation. But just, again, showing you that average people are just outraged by how obvious this is. And this is the kind of lie that we're seeing that shows you that they have to lie about this. I'm just saying they as you know, people out there that would want to be to convince you that what Israel is doing is right. So my point being, whoever they may be, if it was so obvious and there's so many examples of how clear and you just can't see it and you're blinded by your support for Palestine, whatever, that they wouldn't need to do this, which is take a video of somebody and, and pretend and, and change the subtitles. So you think she's saying Hamas is killing everybody. Please get out of here. Well, she's not. And we already broke this down, but here's just another average person online just disgusted by how obvious this is. People have already debunked the insane propaganda video I'm about to show you, but I just wanted to do it one last time um, because I think the original video is so harmful and disgusting. A little backstory for this is this creator, Joelle, who's like a raging Zionist, posted this video of an Arab woman mourning the death of her son killed by Israelis. Um, and I'm going to show you the translation she puts on the video, and then I'm going to tell you guys the real translation. Remember when I told you that the citizens of Gaza can't leave because the terrorists are holding them there? And then the comment sections is flooded with lies, lies.
Sorry, I have my mute button on. So what's that, that, it's interesting to think about. Remember that lie? Oh, Hamas is holding everybody. They can't leave. But then they asked him and they all marched to the south, right? Because that makes sense. Now, a lot of them didn't. My point that because they did not want to, because they weren't able to. But explain for me how at one point Hamas wasn't letting them go. But then when they kept bombing, they all ultimately, I mean, it's, it's just everything about this narrative collapses with any, any investigation like this. As well, here's your proof. Oh, it's proof, is it? Right, that's important. They they slaughter me. They slaughter my belly. That's what she. That's what this false video is claiming she's saying. Why? Well, because it lines up with some disgusting claim they make about how they tore some baby out of a woman, even though that's taken from a story that happened against Palestinians with a previous war crime committed by Israelis. It's a verifiable thing. You can look up on Wikipedia. You could argue it happened again, but there's no evidence of that. Over and over, they pull from these things that many cases were committed by Zionists and then claim it's happening today, like 40 beheaded babies. By the way, if you don't remember, we already discussed having nurses and people that were covering that, that one press woman who was so overwhelmed by how horrible this was that she could barely get her words out, who was saying that she saw... Palestinian children coming in like that. But again, I can't confirm that. So it's not something we're going to lean into. But it's interesting to think about. Same seems very similar to them accusing the Palestinians of what they would later carry out. And Zionists is who I'm talking about. Nobody else. All right, it goes on. The Gazan people, the outrage. I guess that was it right there. I prefer the Jews, what they're pretending she's saying. Where's the outrage? Where's the outrage for the innocent civilian? Everyone is so quick to point the fingers. At Think about somebody saying, where's the outrage for the civilians while being okay with an ongoing genocide. Israel, but no one is taking into consideration that the Gazan people are being held against their will by a terrorist organization. Yeah, it's called the Israeli government, right? Because they've been held there since, night, what was it, 15-year siege, but ultimately understanding that all of Palestine has been occupied for 75 years. But Gaza is exactly that. So you don't care that they're being held there first? But then the lie about how somehow Hamas has been holding them there, it's just obscenely stupid. It's, it shows such a lack of understanding about the basic reality of the situation that it makes me sad. So if you don't speak Arabic, that video is completely mistranslated. She's not talking about Hamas at all. She's actually talking about the death of her son and how she found her son's dead body on the floor. Okay, this is what she's actually saying. She said, every day I went to Natsarim. It used to be a settler territory and I found a lot of... Well, in, in, in the interest of time, you guys can go through the rest of the translation. She makes the point about how she's talking about his, she knew she recognized her son because of his, I think his watch and his belt. And that's where she's pointing at the stomach and they go, you cut my stomach open or whatever she said, the lie, right? It's just egregious, man. I mean, it really is disgustingly. And the fact that it's so obvious, like the, you know what it makes it even worse is that they're very, they're, whoever's doing this is well aware that people who speak Arabic, Palestinians and anybody else are going to see that and know it's a lie. So this is aimed at Western audiences only. Why? Because it's important to them, the, the narrative controllers, that the Western audiences believe them, which right now they very, very much do not, the majority.
That's why it's so desperate. Now, if you haven't, if you missed it, just include this in the context of these ongoing lies. This is one, another example where Israel used an image of a woman from at least 2022, claiming it was proof of rape at the music festival after it was revealed to be an old image that had been previously used by the IDF. Now, here's one example of it being used in 2022. Oh, weird how they won't let you see it. But it's there for sure. It's right here. Oh, I guess they removed it. Of course they did. See, this is now, this is how this is going to be covered up. Now, you've seen this live on the show. I think Max's might even have the image of it. Max is the one that first broke this down. This is the one. Well, here, you know what? He's got another example in here anyway. So they, that they can't remove. That is from 2022. Right here. 2022. See the date? So we're not confused. Here's the actual image. Right there. Guys, it's so egregious, man. So Twitter is playing their role, guys. Playing their role. So I'll include Max's too, even though it's it's actually in the tweet. Oh, man, I haven't. Oh, no. Shoot. I just realized I forgot to bookmark all these. I already deleted some of the to the tabs. Hold on one second. I'm going to have to go back and do that again. Make sure I don't lose them all for you guys. Because that's important to me, unlike a lot of people in this business. Okay. So, include that one. And this one, too. There we go. So, how interesting is that? So why would Twitter delete this image when it's literally posted other places? It's only deleted in the context that shows you that it's from 2022. Isn't that interesting? I wonder if we can even uh, do a Wayback Machine on that real quick. Let me see. Let me see if somebody out there in the audience was smart enough to do this. I didn't. I didn't think about it. Let's do this one. Real time. Let's see. Nice. Somebody got it. That's why this is important. Oops. Wrong one. Hold on. See if it comes up. Now, Twitter usually doesn't let these come up, quite frankly. I've seen it's weird. It airs out. Something changed since uh, Elon's taken over. Let's see if it loads. Probably won't. We'll come back to it, actually. I don't want to make you guys wait. Anyway, the point is obvious. You already saw it. And by the way, you've already seen this show and likely seen the information anyway. The point being, yes, they've removed this from that website. Whoever's controlling this, but the Israeli government has endorsed this. And all of that info comes from the Israeli government. So those acting like this is not an Israeli website, it is. Or even a government website. The only way this information comes is from the US or from the Israeli government. Because in this, actually going back to this tweet, this is the guy, This the, what these people are saying, this kind of guy right here, another screening by the authorities, that's where it's all coming from, these special screenings. And he makes a point to say, that's one of the images they saw explicitly that image, but it's not, it's not, it's from 2022. So is he lying? Did the Israeli government include that image? Yes, they did. Important. Yeah. It doesn't look like it'll load. I'll leave him and come back to it, but there you go. 2022. Another one. You guys have seen this already, right? The idea to lie about human shields, right? Rather, I should say the unverifiable claim, which I have no doubt that Hamas would be capable of doing that. And has in the past, especially when they were largely being funded and controlled by the Israeli government, and the U.S. government, which we can prove, even according to Israeli media. But you must understand that it's verifiable that Palestinian children are used as human shields by Israel, per Reuters, per the United Nations, per The Guardian. Israeli soldier used Palestinian as human shield, per the, what is it, the Defense for Children International, 
Israel uses five children as human shields, or just in general, Bet Selim, which is the Israeli human rights group that makes it very clear they've done this repeatedly and even got admitted, as you can see here. The IDF issued a general order prohibiting the use of Palestinians as a means of human shield. So, so anyone screaming, it never happened. They admitted that they were doing it before 2002, and they issued an order saying, stop doing that. But what they started doing is called the neighbor procedure, which the international community later said, that's also illegal and you have to stop, and they never did. Very clear. It's obvious. They admitted to it, so they were doing it, and they simply changed the name and did a different way until they said, you must stop that too, and they never did. Right? Here is, this one is the Institute for Middle East Understanding, the neighbor procedure, Israel's use of human shields, as well as human rights watch themselves. So the point is, they've always been using human shields, there's limited evidence if Hamas has or is per the United Nations. And even, I think it was Amnesty that says basically it's on them to prove that. You can't just claim they're doing that. You must prove it. And they never have. Here, by the way, back into the other lies. Of course, Mr. Eli David just doing all the lying he possibly can. First view of the terror tunnel at Al-Shifa. You mean a tunnel that looks different that now has wires on top that didn't before? Yeah, you're ridiculous. But first of all, even if that is exactly what we're looking at, which I don't believe is even the same location or even the same tunnel, but even if it is, as we already told you, they built them in 1983. Or at the very least, it's some they built, which means that that very well may be the one we're talking about. Here is a former prime minister of Israel admitting that, seemingly accidentally, I'm not sure. Even CNN goes, did you just misspeak? <laughs> Showing you how completely uneducated these journalists are on basic public facts. Can I just start by asking you to what, what is your view of whether your government, your military has done a good enough job of proving their claim that there was a major command center and bunker under Al Shifa? Uh, it's uh, it's already known for many years that they have in the bunkers that originally was built by Israeli constructors underneath Shifa or were used as a command post uh, of the Hamas and a kind of a, a junction of several uh, several uh, tunnels uh, part of the system. I don't know to say to what extent it is a major. It's probably not the, the only uh, kind of command post. Several others are under other uh, hospitals or in other uh, sensitive places. But it's for sure had been used by uh, by uh, Hamas even during this uh, conflict. Okay, before she even responds, that's why it's. Remember, they said, "Oh, it's blocked up by cement." Oops. Okay, so it's highly unlikely they did that recently. The point is that I argue they probably never used it, if not cemented it up a long time ago, in hopes that exactly this would happen. Because Israel's banking on the fact that they know it's there because they built it. And they go into Shifa and they go, oh, wait, wait, when they act, they're super embarrassed. And now they just act like, no, it was a command node and it wasn't the real story and lie about an elevator shaft. Like clearly they got, they got made a fool of here. Now, but the bottom line is Israel built a command center and a tunnel structure under an active hospital. Why is that not a big deal? Remember, even according to Wikipedia, they arrested all the Egyptian staff when they did that. Rather, when they took over the hospital and then 83 built this whole thing. Under an active hospital. So who's exactly using hospitals here? The point is, he admits it's them that built this, at least in some case. But why is that? It gets dismissed by everybody. 
It's a public fact. At the very least, we should ask whether or not that is exactly what they're pointing to now. But I just love the way she responds on this. This is supposed to be a seasoned journalist on things that you can look up on Wikipedia. Uh, by uh, Hamas, even during this uh, conflict. Well, when you say it was built by Israeli engineers, did you misspeak? <laughs> no, uh, somebody, you know, decades ago. I got, you got to love that. Look at that face. Look at that face. <laughs> Someone her ear is going, wait, wait, hold on. That's not the narrative. Somebody, you know, decades ago, we were the, wanting the place. So we held them. It was decades, many decades. What was that? Yeah, you held them. You wanted it. The hospital. Of course you did. Ago, probably five, de- four decades ago, that we helped them to build these uh, bunkers in order to enable uh, more, more, uh, more space for the operation of the hospital. Oh, yeah, because hospitals often use bunkers, don't they? Within the very limited uh, size of this compound. Okay. All right. Well, that, that's, that, that, that's, that's sort of thrown me a little bit. So <laughs> these were there for a long, long time, but you're claiming or they're claiming that they're used as a major command center. Anyway. Oh, oh who's they now? Right. Do you see how she just super clumsily tried to point to turn that back into Hamas claims they're using it. Who said that exactly? How embarrassing. These people are ridiculous. A real journalist would have been like, interesting. Let's dig into that. When did you build it? Why? Isn't that doesn't that contradict the real point of the story? Nope. Not CNN, though. Shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Long, long time, but you're claiming or they're claiming that they're used as a major command center. Anyway, the the fact of the matter is that as yet, um, they have not shown conclusive proof of that. So may I ask you what you would... uh, Christian, Christian, wait a minute. It's not easy. Anyway, how embarrassing. Now, wait, there was... Oh, by, by the way, don't forget, that's Barack. That's the one who is accused of being at Epstein Island, right? And there's one other point I just, I just, hold on. I was going to say one thing. I just lost it. Ah, in any case, I just think that's so incredibly ridiculous, right? The idea that, you know, we're admitting this on the record, that they did build this, that it's obvious they did it when it was, when it was active hospital. And they were supposed to pretend like that doesn't change the story. And this supposed journalist doesn't even understand that that's a basic reality. Kills me. Now, Freddie Pontone goes into this and says, the IDF returns with more Shifa hospital tunnel propaganda. So let's break it down. Now he goes, note, these photos are described by Dr. Eli David as the first photo beyond the blast door. Remember that blast door we were told were in the hospital, even though he exposed the first time that there was already a cut that seems to take it the wrong direction. But he goes on to say, is it the same tunnel? No, because clearly the electrical cables shown in the idea video yesterday are neat are neatly going along with the left wall of the tunnel pick on the right, all the way till the end. The idea picture on the left shows cables going through the center attached to the ceiling. Oops. How do I mean, really, are they this bad at that? Why isn't the idea picture showing the surroundings of the door, including the tunnel? Well, it's simply because, as demonstrated in pick number one and pick number three, they would need to show that little white box and the cables along the left wall, which would be very inconvenient. And of course, you can see this weird little edit right here, which we'll comment on. He says, primary conclusion, again, we detected a few more anomalies. However, we'll keep them with us for now. Our first impression of this tunnel is the IDF broadcasted yesterday. Could be a tunnel the IDF used to train dogs and therefore not located underneath the hospital. We continued, but he points this out as well. Why is the IDF using so many editing tools? 
They love to say unedited truth and edit it 45 times. The only logical explanation here is the IDF is hiding purposely details that could compromise their narrative or expose the propaganda efforts. Why hide the floor of the tunnel, part of the door? The evidence is genuine or is if the evidence is genuine, like let's just, let's just pretend their thumb was covering the camera, right? It's just so ridiculous. Either way, if it even is accurate, which it clearly seems to not be the same thing, even that door looks shockingly different than what we were first shown with a huge window and it compared to some tiny shoot. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. Even if it is, though, it's possibly built by Israel anyway, which then would argue within you wonder whether they ever actually even used it. Now, we've gone over this a lot. This was November 15th, revealing that Israel built that center there, which was picked up later by some larger accounts, which I'm glad to see. But remember, demonstrating our value, we're typically way ahead of these stories. This was on the 16th. Israel caught lying about Al-Shifa Hospital. And this is, the, this is this was the room. This is supposed to be the command center that they called the command center that Kirby walked back to command node and they all just followed suit, I guess, because this is just a, a nebulous moving lie constant, right? It's like a, a living document of lies. Tomorrow it'll change. They'll call it that and we'll act like never changed. But yeah, we got, you know, a couple things here, some walkie-talkies, some dates, you know, that's dangerous. Ridiculous. This one, again, November 17th showing you that they were using a water reservoir, which was proven to be a water reservoir, to hide, to pretend this is what they, was a tunnel. And then they shifted from that to an elevator shaft. And they're acting like they're talking about the same concept every time. Here is NBC News admitting, as of the 16th, you know what, that there were no hostages there. Not that they're still trying to claim that they were at some point, but what they're admitting is that when they got there, there was none. So, like Ritter said, that means they didn't know for sure, which means no matter how this goes down, even if they were right, it's still a war crime because they have to have incontrovertible proof that there are Hamas members present, or rather that it's specifically that there aren't, you know, the idea that they can just circumvent the civilian concept because there might be some there is not the reality. But their point that it's a command center, or rather that there are only hostages and all Hamas and there's not an active hospital, is not true. Netanyahu says there were there were strong indications. So that's not certainty. So he just literally committed, he just admitted a crime. Hamas, there's a strong indication Hamas hostages were held there. So that's why you bombed it then, right? So you thought there were hostages, but you, so you bombed the hospital. You listening, Israelis? You should be very upset. Your mother, your son, your, your IDF member friend could be there. And they were bombing it. To save them. Does that make sense? Sort of like the U.S. government bombs for freedom, right? We're bombing to help you. Washington, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu said Thursday that there were strong indications that hostages were held by Hamas that were in Al-Shifa, but they were no longer there when Israeli launched their ground operation. I just, I'm almost speechless by how bad this is, by how clearly that shows you that their entire narrative has fallen apart. Quote, we had strong indications, he says, that they were held in Al-Shifa, which is one of the reasons we entered the hospital. If they were there, they were taken out. Now, of course, he means to be the ambiguous to make you wonder whether he means killed or not. The point is, they don't know if they were even there to begin with. Remember, they told you they found one of the supposed hostages killed. Now, I only say it that way because I believe they were probably killed by their bombings. I guess they didn't really make sense. They, one of the hostage retainees that was supposedly killed by Hamas. That's what they tell you. Remember, they found it right out by right outside Shifa. Well, you were just bombing all around the area. 
It's just as likely you killed them like pretty much everything else we're seeing. Netanyahu said his government has intelligence about the hostages, but declined to be more specific. I don't believe you. The Israeli Defense Forces said it carried out a precise and targeted operation against Hamas in a specified area of the hospital early Wednesday. Oh, is that what happened? Well, according to literally everybody else, including UN members, medics, and everybody else around, even journalists, it was a massive campaign that bombed all around on the inside, on top. Remember, it bombed the roof too. Took out the solar panels. But according to them, it was precision. Like Biden will mumbling in a mumbling fashion regurgitate when he was told to Wednesday after it warned the group against using the medical complex as a base. Wait, think about how dumb that is. So your argument is they've been using this base for a very long time, but then you warned them against using it as a base. How does that even make sense? Logically. They didn't say anyway, Israel's accused Hamas of having a command center underneath the hospital. Hamas has denied the charge. And basically so as Israel, because they've walked this back, even acting like it's everything about this narrative has fallen apart. And what they've shown you has been laughingly broken apart by basically anybody with two brain cells to rub together, including people in the corporate media that proved that they changed the scene. They added guns. They removed the boxes that proved they brought them in themselves. It's staggering. But let's not forget, it's gotten it was wait, it, there was even worse. The lie about Mein Kampf found in a child's bedroom. The lie about chemical weapons instructions found in their pocket that turned out to be the cover of a book. Or the biggest one. The fact that we now can verifiably prove that Israel, in some cases, IDF members killed Israeli citizens on the 7th. And just in case you still think that's not true, here's the Haaretz article that came out days ago. Saying that, yes, the military helicopters fired at terrorists and apparently also hit some of the revelers at the festival. We just can't keep pretending this isn't true. And on top of that, it turns out that they're starting to delete some of that October 7th evidence, like the recordings from the radio stations or the earlier the articles that prove this stuff. Because they're honest, right? Because they're just trying to make sure you get all the facts by removing the facts. Well, let's get into the ceasefire now that we're very clearly established how dishonest we're ta- the entity is in this topic. Now, this is the official statement releasing by Hamas. It says, quote, based on our responsibility towards our patient and steadfast Palestinian people and our tireless endeavor to strengthen the steadfastness of our heroic people in our proud Gaza, we provide relief and heal their wounds and to consolidate the will of our victorious resistance on the 7th of October in the face of the Zionist enemy. Now, right that alone is going to outrage people. The point is, again, from an entity standpoint, the act of what going in on the 7th was a legally protected act under international law, as much as that made people upset. Anything that was carried outside of that against civilians or any crime outside of the act of armed resistance against the occupier was a crime and should be called a crime, and they should be accountable for that crime. But the point of why people were cheering is not because they were killing civilians, well, arguably in a general sense, but because they were, mon- it was a massive act against the occupier that changed the, con- the understanding of the situation. Look at where we are, largely because of their response, which is interestingly enough, one of the arguments used by people that support Israel. They knew what the response would be. Oh, so you're now claiming you're okay carrying out genocide because they knew you would do it? My God. 
Well, it goes on to say, after difficult and complex negotiations for many days since the beginning, apparently, we announce, with the help of and success of God Almighty, that we have reached a humanitarian truce agreement, temporary ceasefire, for a period of four days, thanks to persistent and appreciated Qatari and Egyptian efforts. Accordingly, the terms set out are, and this is interesting how many variances there are as we go through the other talking points, a ceasefire on both sides, so non, no firing, no military actions in the sense of, you know, bombing and firing. A secession of all military actions by occupation forces, Israel, in all areas of the Gaza Strip. And a secession of the movement of its military vehicles penetrating into the Gaza Strip. Now, as far as I understand it, they've already claimed they're going to leave all of their things that are in the north. So you would argue that that would mean they wouldn't be allowed to maintain their presence in the Gaza Strip. But again, these are the kind of things that are going to become issues. They're going to act like, you know, that we understood it differently or blah, blah, blah. The, ent- the entry of hundreds of trucks of humanitarian relief, medical aid, and fuel into areas of the Gaza Strip, without exception, in the north and south. But again, I'm willing to bet you that they're going to say the north is no longer what they're talking about. Or the, one of the most important parts is Israel seems to be acting very opaque about they're not even mentioning how much fuel or how much relief. Hamas seems to be stating, as we'll get into the AP article, very specific amounts of it, of what needs to be done. But if they end up sending a fraction more fuel, which doesn't even really change the situation and act like they did, Hamas will probably say that's not what you agreed to. Israel will say they did. And there you go. Now, look, you're going to, people will clearly frame this as me taking this one side or the other. Arguably, I disagree. I say it like that because I could be wrong. But I think we have seen throughout history, and this is where people will disagree, that Israel has entered into in with bad faith constantly. And I, and I think we can prove that because of the examples you can show where those very same leaders would later say we were never going to allow this. But we need to understand that. Now, okay, but, but I could always be wrong. Come to your own conclusions. But when it later, if it later happens, remember that I made these points. It goes on to say the release of 50 women and children of the occupation detainees, which we'll get into, which are a vast majority are random Palestinians, children that threw rocks, things like that, that they, even Ben Shapiro calls all terrorists, really giving you the insight that they think all Palestinians are terrorists, like they've always said. But it says, and what's interesting though, is 50 women and children that Israel's holding, or excuse me, in reverse, that, that they're holding of Israel's, all under the age of 19. So again, right there, under 18 specifically, and and children, like basically nobody that's an IDF member, a settler, or police. It's very clear some of them are there. So those are crimes, right? They need and they've made clear that they stated that they think they're all part of the occupation, so it's all fair game. I just I think we need to take a hard line with that, as I've said before. No civilians are legal targets. Now, there's a weird issue with the Israeli conversation, as I've seen some community notes say, that basically most everybody in Israel spends time through the IDF, but then later becomes a civilian. Well, that's that's a different point. If you go through the military, especially when all of them are still on reserve, then you're still a military target, in my opinion. But you guys can debate it. We have a different point. It says, in exchange for the release of 150 women and children, of our people in the occupation's prisons under the age of 19. So right there is exactly why Israel has the Hannibal Directive in their mindset. Because this is what happened before. 
where they exchanged a lot of prisoners for, uh, I think, one or two high-level people in the military, which they were very embarrassed by, which they got a lot of flack for. So that's where the Hannibal Directive comes from, which, if you don't believe it, it's easy to look up. And a colonel from the military of Israel just made the point to Haaretz that what happened on the 7th was, quote, a mass Hannibal. Because they were shooting all the cars before they could get away with the hostages. Meaning they intended, at least by the orders, maybe not the people shooting, but the or- the orders were carried out or given because they wanted to take care of the hostages so they wouldn't be able to use against them. That's what the Hannibal Directive is. Now, I'm sure that's shocking to hear. But guys, we just talked about this. It happened. It's not up for debate. They killed their own people. So my point is, now that they're exchanging 50 for 150, Palestine. Hamas specifically, they're going to frame this as a huge win. Our people are more important or whatever. Like this is going to be used against them in the propaganda war, which is only going to outrage the staunch pro, you know, the Zionist religious Zionist party and the extremist in their government, which by the way, they're one of the few people that voted no on even this deal (laughs) shows you they just don't care about the hostages, but it says, and our children and the next one stopping all occupation air traffic in the South for days. I, I'm willing to bet you my life that doesn't stop. All occupation air traffic. So they're going to, I promise you they're going to fly drones and probably still fly the airplane. And they'll just say they didn't. Mark my words. Stopping all occupation air traffic in the north for six days an hour. So first of all, all traffic in the south for all four days. The second one is stopping all the air traffic in the north, but for six hours a day. From 10 to 4 p.m. I'm not sure I understand that. Seeing as how the north is where they most people have been driven from. But there's still certain pockets and hospitals that are still barely hanging on. Rather, refuge centers for people, displaced people to, to try to avoid being bombed. Where there's no fuel and barely electricity and no food. It's the same difference. People being treated on the floor with no anesthesia. Not really a hospital. A triage center. But interestingly enough... For six hours a day. Then it says during the truce period, which that's just an improper use of the word, the occupation is committed not to attack or arrest anyone in all areas of Gaza Strip. No, they're committed, are they? So you're telling me that no settlers are going to attack people in the, in the West Bank or are settlers not included? See, there's all these caveats and open parts that are going to cause a problem. Ensuring freedom of movement of people from north to south along this specific street of Il, uh, Salih Ildin Street, which they've never maintained that this far. They've been bombing them every single part along the way. The terms of this agreement were formulated, according to Hamas, is continuing, in accordance with the vision of the resistance and its determinants, which aim to serve our people and strengthen our steadfastness in the face of aggression. And it was always mindful of their sacrifices, suffering and concerns, and it conducted these negotiations from a position of steadfastness and strength in the field despite the occupation's attempts to prolong and procrastinate the negotiations. While we announce the arrival of a truce agreement, we affirm that our hands will remain on the trigger and our our victorious battalions will remain on the lookout to defend our people and defeat the occupation aggression. Now, I can guarantee you Israel's going to point at that and say, see, they want to carry out terrorist attacks. It's all about framing, right? But I'm going to show you right now that Israel said the same damn thing. Not only that, they didn't say we're going to wait. They said we will bomb again the moment four days are up. But only one side is the bad guy, right? Even though they're committing one of the worst genocides in the shorter period of time that we've ever seen in our lives. 47 days. More children than most any war I've seen. 
unbelievable. So they're going to say, look, they have their finger on the trigger. They said they're going to violate it. So we're not even going to like if it ends up where they get called out for it, they're going to point to something like that. Just my predictions. We promise our people that we will remain loyal to their blood, their sacrifices, their patience, their bond, it finishes, and their aspirations for liberation, freedom, and the restoration of rights and the establishment of an independent Palestinian state with Jerusalem as its capital, God willing. Which, by the way, I believe was one of, was the earliest, you know, 1967 conversation. Now, here is the AP. There's two articles we'll show you. This one says Israel and Hamas have reached a deal on a ceasefire. Like, it's weird that even these articles, they, they, they kind of intermittently... They use these words interchangeably. Truce and pause and ceasefire. They're very different. And I'm telling you that's deliberate. Because a ceasefire is an important word that has a meaning to it. But if you conflate all these things, well, then they can kind of dance back and forth between what's actually happening. Now, it says Israel and Hamas agreed to a four-day halt. So there's another word. It's just, it's, it's insulting. Especially to people that are like, you know, diplomat. People that do this for a living, they're outraged by this. And they're speaking out about it. There should be a conversation of a ceasefire, or at the very least, if we're talking about a pause, whatever you think that means, the whole point should be with the interest of of agreeing to a potential ceasefire that's on paper with terms that are agreed to, that then lasts until you find some kind of a common ground for a truce. Like, that's how that's supposed to go. But it's right now, they're telling you this will not stop. So this is meaningless. As what one of the UN rapporteurs said, you're so what you're going to feed them and then so that you can carry on killing them. Now, Israel and Hamas, it says, and Qatar have released different details of the agreement. This is set up to fail, but those details do not appear to contradict each other. Well, it's if they did, if they have different details, then this will be a problem. Now, it says Qatar announced Wednesday that Hamas will release 50 hostages in exchange for what Hamas said would be 150 Palestinian prisoners held by Israel. Those released by both sides will be women and minors. The hostages would be released in bursts throughout the ceasefire, right? So 15 here, 10 there, like, and back and forth. It says once the first batch is released, Israel's expected to free the first group of Palestinian prisoners. So right there, you could see how this might get tripped up, right? You release a couple here and maybe one short or something like that. Like, that's how this tends to go. Those up for release include many teams. Now, by the way, that's just a constant with any of these processes, not just unique to Israel, but that there, there can be small grievances and it's usually meant these people aren't, they don't like each other. So obviously you're going to try to, you know, do get the best out of your side of the deal, by trying to slight them the most while allowing it to continue. If that's what you want, when I argue Israel doesn't want it to continue. So that makes it a lot easier, but it says those up for the release include many teenage boys. And this is important, especially when we get into the points in a moment where they're calling them all terrorists or all of them are violent shoot, you know, terrorist act. It's not true. It's going to say many of the people we're talking about releasing are teenage boys detained during a wave of violence. that's framed in West bank in 2022 and 2023 charged with offenses such as stone throwing or disturbing public order. So remember that as we get into these tweets about how they're all commit, they're all there because they're terrorists. They're literally saying this, and people all over the corporate media are parroting that line. According to a list of eligible prisoners published by Israel's ministry. So their own information shows you that all, a lot of these are teenage boys that have thrown rocks and caused a disturbance in public order. And they've been held, in some cases, for years. Now, a lot of them were post-October 7th, just showing you they're also kidnapping children. Israel currently holds around nearly 7,000 Palestinians accused or convicted 
of security offenses, which includes throwing stones or causing a public disorder, which could be, a, could be something as calling out an IDF member on the street. 7,000, 5,000 plus of them before all of this, the rest after October 7th. It's weird how that doesn't have the same impact as what we keep pointing at. Why is that? Are they not children? Are they not being detained? Why, why does only one side matter in all of this to some people? Israel said the truce would be extended by a day for each 10 additional hostages released. That's interesting. So one of the points from the Israeli side of this, where people are angry it's even happening, are saying, they're just going to keep releasing hostages every, and keep the truce going. I'm literally saying that like a bad thing. I'm going to make this point repeatedly, directly from the corporate media from Israel. They're not talking about the hostages like it matters. They're talking it like a hindrance to the most important war effort. Can you not see by now? The hostages are in the way of what they want to accomplish. That's what's happening. It says Qatar said Israel would also allow more fuel and humanitarian aid into Gaza, but did not provide details. Well, that sure makes a difference, doesn't it? More fuel could be one container. Israel's government statement did not refer to increased aid and fuel. <laughs> Great. Israeli Channel 12 TV reported that as part of the deal, Israel will allow a, quote, significant amount of fuel and humanitarian supplies into Gaza, but did not specify how much. Israel has severely limited the amount of aid, especially fuel, completely allowed none of that, by the way, into Gaza during the war or the ongoing occupation. It's, not a, it's, it's been, if you want to call it a war, it's been a war for 75 years prompting dire shortages of water, food, and fuel to run generators, which has killed people, guys. The fighting is expected to come to a temporary halt. <laughs> Israeli jets and troops will hold the fire while militants are expected to refrain from firing rockets. Hamas said Israel's warplanes would stop flying over southern Gaza during the four-day truce and for six hours over the north. Israel made no mention of halting flights, and it wasn't clear if this would include drones which have been a constant presence over Gaza. So you see how dumb this is because obviously Hamas's statements and what the agreement were was, what it was about, was surveillance. That's the only reason that matters because you're stopping engagement, military action, bombing and shooting. That's clear. And on top of that, it's about the flights flying over the area. So why would that not include other things that fly? But that's what the game they're going to play. Oh, drones weren't included. Well, the whole point is surveillance. And so that's where it, there's going to be these sticking issues and it's going to be acting like they are the ones failing. I know I, this is my opinion and I've been putting it over this the whole time. It's my opinion. Now, this says, while uh, the ceasefire will grant Palestinians in Gaza a brief calm. I mean, that that's insulting in and of itself. Hardly a calm with hundreds of thousands of people displaced on the verge of death, people dying all around you. You can't, you have no, very little food or water that you can, and most people don't have any as you're being bombed anyway. Of course, that, that, that's the calm they talk about, assuming they actually stop bombing. Is that calm? Sure as hell not calm. You're in the midst of a slow starvation as your children are dying in front of you and you don't know where you're, where you're going to go to for you. Your home is destroyed. You don't know what's going to happen next. But yeah, we'll give you a brief calm. The hundreds of thousands who have fled the combat zone and headed south are not expected to be able to return home. Well, there it is, blatantly obvious, even though when we say that, we're called liars. Israeli troops are expected to remain in their positions in northern Gaza. Okay, so what I tell you, more occupation. 
You're using this to encroach on the territory, well, just like your settlements elsewhere. But by the way, they've told us that. All the scratchers on Twitter and elsewhere telling you you're lying, shouting people down from paying attention to what they're literally saying out loud. They're not expected to be able to return. Okay, so if they're not going to be able to go home, or rather where they were displaced to the first time, and they're telling you they're going to push into the South, what are they going to do? We'll come back to that. I mean, it's very obvious they're going to get killed or they're going to be forced out, which is egregiously illegal. The deal offers only a short break in fighting. Israel, which has made destroying Hamas and saving the captives its goals, Hold on. Hit it. Come on. Jesus. Of course, it doesn't pop up. It does because the title we'll search for it should have popped up. Emphasis is on damage, not accuracy. Just in case you didn't believe it was there for those that are surveying. October 10th, they told you. We are, we our focus is damage, but then listen to Biden when he says he's their pinpoint targeting Hamas, because that's very obvious, isn't it? Which has they, they, the point is Israel has made, has, has made destroying Hamas and saving its captive, its goals. Is that the case? No, the goals are destroying Palestine under the guise of Hamas. And I think, I honestly think hopefully killing the people that might expose your agenda there too, as in hostages is expected to continue where it left off once the four days wraps up. That's the stated reality. So why is the corporate media lying about this? Like in the TV channels and Biden and the rest of the people speaking outwardly to the people that only listen to those things and act like they know what's going on. They're telling you that this is going to be a work. We're going to see, we're seeking a long-term truce and ceasefire. Israel's going absolutely not, never going to happen. We're going to go right back to this, right when this is over, no matter what. Netanyahu said Tuesday, the ceasefire will allow the army to prepare for the continued fighting and will not harm its war effort. He is adamant about that. Once the truce ends, which that makes it not a truce then, airstrikes will likely resume and troops will continue their push throughout northern Gaza before their expected foray into the south at an unknown time. Gaza residents will have to brace for resumption of hostilities. Oh, really? While they're being bombed? Yes, just like the rest of the area because they won't go back to the north. So just like with the north, they're going to be bombed, right? And it, it'll all be washed away as, well, Hamas is present. It's just so grotesque. I just can't get past it. Now here it says the Israeli government would face growing domestic pressure to secure the release of more hostages. That was the uh, a longer, the point is basically saying, and that, that's, what, that's what I was talking about up there, saying he, the, the, uh, the leader of Hamas saying, he could also try to turn a four-day pause in fighting into a longer pause by offering to release more hostages. And the point is all over, they're pointing at that as some kind of a fail, which completely reveals that the hostages are not their objective. And the point is they'd face more domestic pressure to secure the release of hostages, which is the only thing Israelis want, the people. Here's the other one. There's just a couple points in this. Netanyahu joined by... The two other members of his special war cabinet told a nationally televised news conference the war would resume after this is over. Not even up for debate. Israel's goals are to destroy Hamas, military capabilities, and return all 240 hostages. Okay, so when they don't get them because they killed many of them or because they didn't even take that many, what happens then? 
They'll argue that they did not meet their obligations. I want to be clear, he says, the war is continuing. The war is continuing. He said that twice. We will continue it until we achieve all our goals. And this is important. He added that he delivered the same message in a phone call to Joe Biden. He also said, Netanyahu made clear, he also said that he had instructions that the Maasai, the Mossad spy agency would hunt down Hamas, exiled leadership, wherever they are. That's impunity, at least perceived. Netanyahu and the Israeli government have no issue telling you, we'll go wherever. And by the way, he's been on the record saying that in the past, that he could do whatever he wants militarily, that they need, they can go into the United States and take things out. They've said this and the media has reported it. Of course, your media doesn't tell you this in America. That means if they, if he believes they're in Florida, they'll, Mossad will go into Florida and take them out. You know, maybe kill a couple civilians in the process like they're doing now, right? Probably not though, because the point is Palestinians are the ones that don't matter. Hope we all understand that in the eyes of the Zionist government. He says, just days before the truce, Israel said it was determined to take the ground offensive into the south. Remember we were telling you all this in the beginning and all these creatures told you they were lying? That could be potentially devastating, it says, for Gaza's uprooted population, most of which is squeezed into the south with nowhere to go to avoid the assault. I mean, it really just, it's like this ticking time bomb of genocide. Everyone can see it happening and they're just not trying to stop it. Residents in Gaza City said the fighting intensified overnight into Wednesday, today, with gunfire, heavy artillery, and airstrikes. Quote, apparently they want to advance before the truce. Well, obviously, because they're not stopping. I'm willing to bet you we'll have evidence that they never actually stopped in some way, whether it's just egregious bombing because they don't care, or ground operations quietly where they can deny it. Mark my words. And this is important. It ends by saying, Palestinian militants continued firing rockets at Israel throughout the day without causing casualties. So everyone trying to pretend like they're prepared. These are not hurting people. I've shown you what these are going to be. It's possible, but whether it's because they're stopping them or because these things land in a field or because there's no no guidance systems or because they don't have that much power. If they're continuing to fire rockets all day, and there's not a single casualty, and Israel's killing 115 children every day, and thousands of people with it. It's very obvious there's no symmetry here. That's why they don't have a right to defend themselves when they're bombing their own occupied territory, and they're not caring for the civilians they're supposed to be protecting. Now, Cradle writes, Hamas, Israel agree on four-day ceasefire. And I wanted to point out one point in this. It goes over most of the same information. And this is from this same guy we were pointing to before, writing for Ynet News. He's saying the scam still worked as planned. The political echelon and the general staff insist on missing reality again. The war cabinet and the general staff, there is not even a single observer, that is, a point of view, that will challenge the erroneous conception, that one that led us to this disaster. He's talking about the ceasefire, or whatever they're calling this, from which we are trying to extricate ourselves. He says the Israeli, the Israeli writer blamed Netanyahu for signing off on the deal that we're talking about, adding that, quote, we are jeopardizing our most important war in recent decades. Oh, so we don't care about hostages then. They're just getting in your way. I get it. Plain as day. The article's right there. You can read it for yourself. They don't care about them. Just like your government doesn't care about you, whoever's listening, wherever you are. 
Sana Saeed points out, Israel will kill as many Palestinians it's able to before the temporary ceasefire, and then it will kill more. I happen to agree. How is anyone able to argue seven weeks in with a straight face that any of this is for security and not as clear as day ethnic cleansing? This is four hours ago. A huge massacre in Bet Laya. An entire neighborhood was wiped out by Israeli warplanes. Today, nine houses straight in Bet Lahaya project. The houses of Kurd, Daiwasa, Shaheen, Amazi, Sardal, Alul, Sakan, Harash, and Shalah. My point is, we're talking about a pause ceasefire as they're literally murdering people while telling you that they're going to go right back to doing that the moment this arbitrary time frame is up. It should insult everybody. White House, of course, is very aware of all of this, sort of like we've been seeing the entire time, where they'll pretend this is all okay and they're fighting by international law and no ceasefire no matter what. And then you hear the behind-the-scenes stuff where they're going, damn it, hurt, stop killing children. You're making us all look bad. Try and find the truth. They lie about everything as a matter of policy. State Department, White House briefings. Well, that's why Sam Husseini and Max and the rest of them are making them look like fools because they lie about everything and it's been never been this obvious. The article from the cradle again, White House anxious that the Gaza truce will shed light on the devastation caused by Israel. Right. One of the biggest reasons why they really don't want this because journalists will get to go in and look. And if you think you've seen the worst of it, by what we've been able to squeak out during their blackouts of the internet. Wait until these people show you the real picture. They know that. It says, quote, there was some concern in the administration about an unintended consequence of the pause, that it would allow journalists, border, journalists bro uh, broader access to Gaza and the opportunity to further illustrate the devastation there and turn public opinion on Israel. Too late. That's according to Politico. The D.C.-based outlet also says that the White House remains wary about the long-term strategy of Netanyahu and their administration for what to do in Gaza. Quote, there was no sense that the pause would turn into a lengthier ceasefire, according to an unnamed official. Yeah, big, big effing surprise. My point is that they know this, but they lie about it. They stand up and say, we're looking for a ceasefire. I mean, you know the point. Why is it so stupidly obvious that we can know all of this and we all seem to actually know it, but yet we feel obligated to lie or obfuscate or push the two-party narrative that suits our team sport politics? We all know this is genocide. We all see what's happening. Even if you think it's justified, you know it's happening. And they know he's not going to happen. They know he's not going to let it happen, but they still sure as hell pretend it's going to. It is an insult to people dying right now or their families trying to stop it. And here's Dan Cohen pointing out the same thing. Here's the political article. There was some concern, the administration, about an unintended consequence. It's right there. That people will see the reality. That's too late. But this is only going to make it more hard. This is going to make it more difficult to hide. And those people that might have still been on the fence because they're just trying to plug their ears to it all are going to see it. Now, interestingly enough, here's another part of this that changes the whole dynamic. Hezbollah, Lebanon apparently is not part, well, I mean, specifically Hezbollah is not part of the truce. 
Well, I, I can almost guarantee you that's going to cause something to happen. Well, I, I'd be willing to bet you that Hezbollah specifically would not do anything in order to make, to hope this would develop into some larger peace for the people in Gaza. It, it's very apparent to me that they want the people in Gaza to be free and not to be continue to be bombed. But what happens if Israel bombs Hezbollah? And then Hezbollah defends or fights back or any number of back and forth. And then they claim that, well, they broke the ceasefire. Just one of these thoughts to consider. I thought that's interesting. We'll have to wait and see how it plays out, but this seems like an interesting overlap or oversight, rather. Now, the cradle reports to Twitter, after striking a truce with Gaza, Israel promptly bombed the outskirts of uh, Saida Zainab shrine in Damascus, another protected location. The shrine of the, Mahab- the Prophet Muhammad's granddaughter is so important to Muslims that it drew Hezbollah, Iranians, and Iraqis into the Syrian war. So what do you think that's meant to do? Right? Right before you pretend a four-day ceasefire, you bomb one of the most important locations to the people that would draw them into this war, and then and then when they maybe do something, you blame them for breaking the truce fire. I'm literally continuing, if you didn't hear me before, giving you my thoughts about where this may go. Completely my opinion. I have no evidence to suggest that will happen other than historical acts they've done before. Think about how interesting that is. Now, other than just bombing this shrine that seems to be intentionally goading them into doing something, they're continuing to bomb, like we just told you, all the neighborhoods, the different locations, and here is what's actually continuing to happen. Israel's using every last moment to continue its genocide against the people of Gaza. The next four days must be used for the Hague to intervene and for there to be sanctions against Israel. Otherwise, this genocide will continue. Just child after child after child. Now, President Biden says today, I welcome the deal to secure the release of hostages, or rather, this might have been early yesterday. I welcome the deal to secure the release of hostages taken by Hamas during its brutal assault on October 7th. I'm gratified by these brave souls who have endured an unspeakable ordeal will be returned, reunited with their families once this deal is fully implemented. Now, in case you miss, you think there's some kind of continue or, or see more, there's not. That's it. Well, I mean, uh, the point is in the context of that point. He doesn't, he didn't, nowhere in here does he mention Gaza, Gaza civilians, Palestinian civilians. I welcome the deal to secure the release of these people. But we don't care about the 5,000 children, 115 a day, or the other people that Israel's holding. What about the 7,000 civilians we just talked about? Or what? let's just say it's only half civilians, 2,500. But you're only concerned with the 240 you're talking about over here? Like, it's just so blatant. These people don't care about Palestinians. Like, you think that's an oversight? You realize that other people are doing this for him. They know this, and that's a message. We want you to know we only care about the people that are Israeli. The point, though, is that Julia makes a great point here. These brave souls could have been home a month ago, and the innocent souls of 4,000 children could still be on this earth if you had pushed Israel to accept the deal when it was first offered. You know, the deal that we keep getting told was never there. Even on Twitter, that never happened. You're a liar. Well, yeah, it did. And I've shown you this repeatedly. This is from Vice News, November 16th. 
the same point. I think it was right here. It's clear the Israelis wanted a ground defensive underway before considering any kind of hostage exchange, which has been on the table since the first days of the conflict, according to a regional diplomat. The outline of the deal has not changed from the start of the talks, but the Israelis in the past few days appear more receptive. Yeah, because they're losing everything. Not only do I believe they're losing on the ground, they're losing clout and, 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 and influence. The people of the world see them. And again, this is from October 14th. Times of Israel, according to one, this is the Security Council head. Israel won't negotiate with Hamas, except now they will, on hostages. We'll remove them from power first. So the point was, they thought they would blow through this, get them all out of the way, and then, I guess, pick up the pieces of what hostages may be left. Yeah, you should be outraged if you have anybody involved in this. But apparently they didn't work out. They failed, either because they didn't know what they were doing, they thought they would get them in Shifa, and they weren't there, whatever. Point is, that's not what they told you. They would do. The, point, the point really is that it was offered at the beginning. They refused it over and over and over while pretending that Hamas was not allowing an They didn't offer to begin with. So again, why would they need to lie about that? You can prove in real time with their own statements. They claimed Hamas wasn't offering. Now we know they were. So Israel lied because they wanted to go after this and the hostages were secondary. That's obvious. So why now does it change? Well, because I think of what I said, because I think they don't, they are not succeeding in the way they want to project. So I think they think this may give them some kind of a, a pass that they gave them or trying to help the innocent people, whatever. Or maybe they genuinely need to recoup. But we also had this point, right? There were the videos coming out of the, the, the prisoners that were being held. And they were saying, do you want to kill us all? Remember that? The, the three women? Now, you could argue that Hamas told them to say that, but the point is the same. They're bombing where there are people being held. They don't know where they are. That's a point that just should never stop being made. You can't pretend they care about these people if they're bombing and they know they may be killed where they bomb them. Sort of like the Hannibal Directive, where they killed them in the cars. They're doing the same thing right now. And here's an example, as I've already shown you, from Wall Street Journal. More than once, Hamas has released hostages for nothing even though they were trying to make a deal. And they said no, so they released it anyway. Hamas sets free two more hostages, but talks were held up over release of a larger group. That's while Israel was saying, Hamas refuses to offer the deal. They lied. And they released them, what they say? They treated us kindly. They gave me feminine hygiene. We ate the same food. Shook his hand, said shalom, walked away. Every one of them so far. And that's why I was saying this all the way back on, way before this, but on the 31st. Showing you this, where they said 200 plus empty beds and cribs. Well, nobody's ever claimed that all 200 plus were children, but weirdly enough, all they do is children's beds. That's, if not, that's the most obvious propaganda ever because they're trying to outrage people. Look at all the children. Well, according to them, there's only 30 children that are taken. And that I even have to see to believe. No, only, only because I, there's been so many lies that I don't know what to believe anymore. The point here is that Obviously, they don't care about these hostages if they keep refusing the deals. As I said, does it matter that they've refused multiple times the, the exchange? Well, I think obviously, because it shows they care more about the agenda than the prisoners. But they'll sure as hell use the prisoners to convince you that that's what it's all about. Well, they're actually killing them with their bombing right where they are. Now, here's where Ben steps in about this deal today. 
He says, all who are now proclaiming that because Israel was able to obtain the release of 50 hostages at the cost of 150 terrorists, de-escalation is now possible. You're out of your minds. Israel will not stop until Hamas is destroyed. That is Israel's political and moral duty. Man, this guy is just deranged. The point is, well, this is one of those examples I had before. Well, okay, so if they keep giving 10 hostages and keep and extending this whole process, apparently that's not what Ben wants. So he also doesn't want these people returned. He wants to destroy these people first and then maybe deal with the hostages, despite constantly pretending like that's the whole pivotal point. Give us back our hostages, but then keep bombing, though. Keep bombing. Keep bombing. He says Hamas is making a trade for terrorists and a pause in fighting. Hoping Western idiots cudgel Israel into accepting Hamas's survival. Is literally anybody arguing for Hamas's survival? I mean, who is he talking about? That's desperation. That's loss of control of the information war. Nobody, I don't see anybody going, we want Hamas to succeed and survive. No, people are talking about the Palestinians. Now, this person says, he just called 150 kidnapped teenage girls terrorists. Because let's not forget, what did Israel say? Women, children, right? Stone throwers. Many of the ones we're talking about. Throwing stones, causing public disorder. That's what they just told us. So he's calling children who threw stones in an occupation terrorists. Or little girls. Because he thinks they're all terrorists, or he doesn't care because they're Palestinian. You could shoot, you pick. It's pretty obvious. Now, let's see what the United Nations has to say. This is from, where's the date on this? To the July 10th, so before October 7th. July 2023, that's important. This is before October 7th, because yeah, this didn't start on October 7th, despite all the screeching of people like Ben. Here's what it says. Just, by the way, read the whole thing. This is just the important part, I argue. It says, the report said detention was being used as a tool to stop those within the occupied territory, Gaza, West Bank, from exercising their rights. There was also threats, blackmail, assault, and medical negligence being used against detainees, you know, the children we're talking about, as well as the transfer outside their occupied territories. These practices amounted to flagrant violations of Hague Convention, the Geneva Convention, and humanitarian law, and constituted crimes against humanity and war crimes. Since the occupation began in 1967, more than one million Palestinians have been arrested. More than 5,000 were still detainees. 1967. More than 5,000 are still in prison. Many have never even been charged with a crime. 24 of these current detainees suffer from cancer and other diseases. There were also numerous examples. By the way, those are the people who are trying to get back. Some of them, anyway. Because some of them, again, as we pointed out, are just children who have been taken. Or people that just have random Palestinians were taken because they claim their security risk with no evidence and no charge. 24 of the current detainees, cancer and diseases. There's also numerous examples of how the occupation dealt with activists, human rights defenders, including through lengthy trials and prison sentences. Activists. These de The details contained in the report required the United Nations 
and the parties in the, to the Geneva Convention to work together to exert pressure on the occupying power to ensure it implemented the recommendations made in the report, which is mostly get, releasing people as political prisoners, which they are. And by the way, that's the main point of the title here. Special Rapporteur says Israel's unlawful, basic, basically prison practices in the occupied prison, Palestinian territory are tantamount to international crimes and have turned into an open-air prison. So realize this is July 10th. So think about the point that they're saying you need to basically release these people. Now, the fact that Hamas wants them to be returned makes them all terrorists. And now they're using that as a tool to get what they want, even though they were obliged to remove, to return them already because of international law. It's very easy to see who is the obvious law violator of international law in this context. Independent Commission for the Human Rights of Palestine said medical negligence in detention had caused 700 Palestinian prisoners to suffer in prison, including 24 with cancer. Meanwhile, you can prove that Hamas continues to take medical care of the people they take, including bringing one of them into the hospital, which they then turn around and argue that the presence of Hashifa Hospital, which clearly fell on his face because it didn't even add up with the arguments they were putting together. The point is it's obvious the difference of treatment. This included a prisoner who had been in prison since 1969, who had been diagnosed with a rare form of bone marrow cancer and has been left without medical attention this whole time. The authorities had rejected requests to release him for further treatment. Just This is just pure torture at this point. The Israeli authorities were fully responsible for the lives of Palestinian prisoners. The Human Rights Council was called on to establish a special commission of inquiry into the abuses faced by Palestinian prisoners. The Independent Commission for the Human Rights of Palestine called for those remaining to be released on July 10th. So now this starts, and now they're using them as some kind of tool, even though legally they were already obligated to release them. How many different ways are they breaking the law here? Okay, so let's go back to Ben, calling them all terrorists. Does that make, does that make even less sense now? As we can tell you that most of them, even if they're being held, are political prisoners to begin with, activists. Now, I'm, not, I'm sure some of them are involved with taking out military actions, carrying out. The bottom line is, per everything we talk, we see children, stone throwers, disturbances. I mean, we're talking 12, 1300 since this started or more. And many of the ones from before have been there since 1967 with no charge. But according to Ben, that's called democracy. Here's Beth Selim the Israeli human rights group statistics on Palestinians in Israeli custody. Now it says the following figures provided or published by the military or the Israeli uh, prison service. So responsibility for their accuracy lies with them. So the point is, this is just what they're admitting to understand that. Now it says at the end of September, 2023. So before October, Israeli, Israeli, the Israeli prison service was holding 4,764 Palestinians in detention or in prison on what it defined as security grounds, including 176 from the Gaza Strip. At the time, the IPS, the prison services, was holding 932 Palestinians, eight of them from the Gaza Strip, for being in Israel illegally. Okay, so right there, you've got almost 1,000 people that are seemingly indefinitely held because they just were in the wrong place. Sure, it's a crime. But shouldn't in a democracy, shouldn't they go through some kind of process where they're charged and let? Nope, just stay in the prisons. And if you get sick, too bad. 
At the end of 2020, the IPS adopted a new policy and stopped providing Bethsalem with the requested figure. So they just went black, went dark, excuse me. Instead, it has since published some data on the website every three months. The first year this occurred, the figures published were partial and therefore not included. So here you can see how long they've been held, the majority of them since, I mean, this just goes, this just goes 2008, but just, let's just take it from there, 8 to 2023. At this point, you can still see over 4,000 people. And look at what it says here. Red is administrative detainees. The other, the darker one, detained until the end of legal proceedings. And look at how long these people have been held. Detained under illegal combatants law. So the only thing, the only thing that is considered combatants is the orange. And I don't even, I, I, I can't even make, oh, look, it's, all I see is way over here, this one thin line. Apparently, and then the rest are serving their sentence. <laughs> My God. So these are, most of these people, based on their own assessment, are not combatants. Yeah, but it's just, but it's all okay because Israel can get away with all of this because Ben said so. Here is Ben Gavir, the extremist minister of national security in the Israeli occupation government. He said, quote, on Monday, there will be the first reading of the death penalty law for Palestinian political prisoners. Do you realize that political prisoners are supposed to be illegal? Not only do they not care about that, they're going, we're going to pass a law that says we can kill them. We don't like your politics. We don't like that you post that on Facebook. We're arresting you. And then we're going to kill you because we passed a law that says we can. Totally not extremists. This is, this is one of the members of the religious Zionism party, which even the ADL called extreme at one point. He added, I expect all members of the Knesset to support this important law. The number of Palestinians in Israeli prisons has increased to 7,000, 64 of who are women, and tens of children. Now, according to their own reports, it's more than that. This is, that's just coming from Cuds News. Here is another example. This is editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post. He says, remember this. The Palestinians who will be released in this impending deal are convicted terrorists. So a journalist, we're told, lying. Blatantly lying in the interest of the Israeli agenda the Zionist agenda, who are in prison because they tried to murder Israelis, you know, or threw a stone or insulted somebody in public, you know, IDF member, you know, dis a disorder. You realize that he knows this, that they know we know. They know it's easy to look up that their own released information and even per Associated Press or any other mainstream platforms that they already told them. People that threw stones, people that were causing disorders, people that were political prisoners, children held indefinitely, women with, I mean, they're not being charged, but yet he wants you to believe that anybody they give up are all terrorists convicted, mind you, of killing Israelis. These are the kind of lies that are floated and nobody pushes back on in the mainstream. The Israelis who will be freed are innocent civilians being held hostage by terrorists. Well, is that true? I don't know. Some of them are IDF members. They just as likely could have carried out crimes against Palestinians. My point is, for him to go black and white with this, it, it's, it's a lie. There is no equivalence. Well, you're right, because this is an occupied territory, and this is the occupier. Only one side has the right to armed rebellion. But that's not what he means, of course. This person says they're security prisoners, which, by the way, that's what Israel literally says. Different from criminal prisons, meaning they're not convicted, but sat under administrative detention. 
Right. Right. With the administrative detainees read. Right. And then it was detained until no detained. Which one? Detainees. So just basically red for the most part. And then the darker color, I think. And he says that is false. Again, just doubling down a lie. The editor of the Jerusalem Post. Security prisoners have virtually all been convicted. Oh, wait a minute. Time out. So that went from all. He says, Palestinians will be released, convicted terrorists in prison when they try to murder Israelis. All. And that's very clear. That the ones who were released in the in deal are convicted. This one now says, virtually all been convicted. Wow, what a great journalist. In, in, in one tweet follow-up, you've already walked back your claim while still pretending you did not. The editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post. How embarrassing. Of terror offenses, which, by the way, they include stone-throwing. And regardless, administrative detention is a legal measure employed by a slew of democracies. <laughs> yeah, just look at the other ones doing the same thing. Now that makes us so... No, you're all criminals, guys. You're all criminals, but you don't care, apparently. But he says, wrong. See the attached screenshot. Those being released haven't been convicted as per Israeli media. Oops. And as for the nonsensical closing remarks of yours, firstly, because Israel isn't a democracy, as per our UN report from May of this year, <laughs> we cannot separate Israel's, uh, uh, oh, this is what I just read. The, that's the prison policies. That's the one I was literally just looking at. Right there. So, guess what? guess what he said in response? Absolutely nothing. They just ran away. Great job, editor-in-chief of Jerusalem Post. So the guy goes, you're wrong. Here's what your media said, and here's the UN report. Crickets. I, but you know what? Most people that want to believe are going to look. Two million views on this, the blatant statement with nothing to back it up. Well, let's see the follow-up. 57,000 views. See the point? The lie will go around the world twice before the truth gets its boots on. Mark Twain. Now, Ben also says the same point about how they're all terrorists. And I agree. This person says, let's get one thing straight. When Ben says all of Hamas, he means all Palestinians. I frankly agree with that because that's what the Israeli government has not just, I don't, that's not that I believe they mean that. They've made that clear. The president of Israel said there are nobody innocent there. I think I have an example coming up here towards the end of a former member of, uh, I'll get, I forget exactly, I think he's of Mossad, basically saying the same thing. There are no non-combatants. That's a lie. According to literally anybody honest in this topic or anybody in general other than the Israeli government and apparently the United States, even their allies, but they just keep doubling, tripling, quadrupling down. Now, Bet Selim, the Israeli infra, uh, human rights organization, says even when the much-needed ceasefires begin, which I'm, I'm not sure, I haven't been able to discern exactly the moment, which also seems to be interesting. Maybe it's already happening now, so pay attention to what's happening. Before, even when the much-needed ceasefire begins, she says 1.5 million people, Palestinians, 1.5 million people, I don't think we can understand the, the breadth of that, are currently crowded in inhumane conditions in the Southern Strip, exposed to the weather, diseases, and lacking necessities to survive. One of them, Mona Abu Oday, told our researchers, she's speaking for Basalem, about what she and her family were going through. And you can listen for yourself. The point is, guys, these people are stuck between this. They're telling you they're going to go for the South. They're not letting them back North. I mean, we're watching these people get destroyed. Not Hamas. Everyone. 
This is why people like Sam Husseini are is outraged, and we should be, why none of these states, even the ones calling out, are not initiating the the uh, the the, gen- the Convention on Genocide. If they do this, action will begin. Maybe, maybe it still may not go anywhere. But why no, even the ones calling it genocide have yet to initiate that process. It's because they do not want actual accountability, I believe. I think they're trying to play a desperate game right now between losing support of Israel by calling them out because you're losing support of your people, but by simultaneously going, don't worry, we're not really going to get you. We're, we have to say this because we're losing our own, but we, we won't actually hold you legally accountable. Just my opinion, but explain how that makes sense. They're committing genocide, but we won't do anything about it. Propaganda and co made some great points here. One month ago, Netanyahu rejected the deal. Three days ago, he said there was no deal. Today, he folded. We just have to recognize how grossly dishonest this is. He's telling the people, his own people, who are screaming for their families back, that Hamas won't let him do it. Over and over until finally he admits that he's going to do it. And based on these screenshots he shows you, I'll show you the articles. Even Israeli media. Netanyahu denies reports of imminent hostage deal. That was the 19th. So just on the 19th, he was lying to all of his people. They are not even offering the deal. But then, this is from Haaretz, Netanyahu buckled under the pressure from his own people. So the Bidens of the world, they're lying to you. If he's even remembering what he's able to say that day. They're trying to hide this while your government tell you that they're doing everything they can. Finally, and the point about lying is that his people pushed him. We want our people back. As they're telling you, they are all on the same side about fighting Hamas. He buckled under pressure to accept the same deal that he already rejected. Do you know how embarrassing that, is for him, that embarrassing that is for him? Especially since his own coalition largely seems to not want any of this to happen. So this is a big deal. And even then, I, I'm willing to bet you that they're not going to abide by it. But this is a walking a tightrope. They are on the edge of a knife with this, trying to make this work, as I think he's very aware that if he fails, he's going to go to prison. He should already be in prison. That's not my, that's not hyperbole. He, he's this close before all this to be, a, the, the people want him in prison for four different major charges. The, the, the judicial reforms were largely about, I think, keeping him out of prison. And the public were very aware of that. Here's another example. This is November 9th. Netanyahu rejected ceasefire for hostages deal in Gaza, according to other sources. It's all coming out. He's been going, there's no deal as he's turning it down. I mean, man, that should make you upset. And just in general, I want, if you guys, I'm sure you're all, you've probably all seen this. The BBC basically cut, there's an award ceremony. There's, there's more than one example, by the way, of this happening where they got up and they called for a ceasefire. Guess what? The BBC cropped it out. Now, if we can't even be honest about the basic app, people just not, not saying, Israel bad guy, or even I support Hamas, just saying ceasefire, which is a benign statement that applies to everybody in every direction. Everybody anywhere needs to stop. But by calling that in and of itself racist, or hating Jews, or pro-terrorism, is the reason this has fallen apart so easily. It's just nobody believes that. 
But my point is, if we can't even be, if we're not even able to show you this, how are we going to pretend that any of these groups or the media are actually going to allow this to happen? Um, Amir El Masri. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Um, before I start, I just want to echo Edith's sentiments earlier and say my heart goes out to all the women, men, and children currently suffering right now in Gaza. Let's hope and pray that we see peace in the region and an imminent ceasefire. The point is they cut that out. They cut it out. Now, there's more examples, too. Other people, the people that help a sign that says ceasefire now. The BBC just said, that's not okay. We don't want to call for peace. That's who they are. Remember who they are. Now, to end in general, I want to go through a couple of points about people speaking up and the perception of what's going on. Here is Sarah Abdallah sharing. This is Bolivia speaking up about what's going on and calling out Israel. Oops, wrong one. This one. national community must act more strongly for there to be an immediate ceasefire. Nothing can justify Israel's dehumanizing actions. For the podcast, she's speaking through a translator. They cannot allege the right to self-defense when they are acting in a territory that does not belong to them, a territory that it has occupied through the force of weapons and bombs. Israel's bombing must cease and the establishment of a free and sovereign Palestinian state must be brought about. Right? So there's Bolivia speaking up, right? It's, I'm telling you, it's, coming, it's, it's like a waterfall around the world. And yet they're still pretending like everybody else is racist, right? Even about the point I was showing you earlier about the, the UN. So, right, Ben's telling you they're all terrorists, right? And so when you read the document that literally shows you, based on the UN's perception and, and you know, everything we can prove, that they've been holding political prisoners, that a lot of them are children and blah, blah, blah. The point is, the UN is racist. The UN supports Hamas. The UN is Hamas. Yeah, does that make sense? Does it sound like it makes sense to you? Anything's possible, sure. But isn't it ridiculous how at some point you start to realize that their only argument is, well, you must be a Jew-hating racist because you are pointing out what you can prove? Like, at what point, Where I keep saying, where's the tipping point? It's just ridiculous that people like Ben and Eli David are just tripling down on this topic. Well, it's obvious that people see it. The, I mean, I, I am no fan of the United Nations as a body, but it's pretty dumb to just label it as a broad statement racist, which that's I'm not saying it's exactly what he said, but people are doing that. Don't forget, the UN ambassador from Israel literally said that they're working with Hamas. I mean, it's just, again, anything's possible, but I th it's, it's, it's like saying that a nebulous, like, like saying the UN is working with Hamas, is, there's so many moving parts to that. It's just a clumsy statement that's meant to fool people that are already supporting them. Now, here is even the UK. And as Declassified UK wrote, UK Ambassador to the UN, James Karuki, says the civilian suffering in Gaza is incomprehensible. Has someone not told him what the policy of his own government is toward Israel? <laughs> it's very interesting. And this is what I mean. There's these very, I think these governments are actually very aware of the the very like it's I'm talking like the vast majority of their populations are screaming ceasefire or free Palestine. And so they are clearly blindly pro-Israel. Their own Rishi is absolutely no ceasefire, keep going from us, but yet they 
they know what he's saying here. This isn't separate from what they're doing. I think they're all trying to walk this tightrope and trying to maintain their own clout whilst, I guess, potentially destroying everything to just to support Israel. How do you not see the Zionist influence there? Governments are literally destroying themselves to maintain this narrative. This unfolding in Gaza is acute. The loss that innocent civilians are suffering is incomprehensible. Too many, including women and children, are losing their lives. Don't forget, the IDF and other Israel representatives just made a whole tour going around the media and saying there is no humanitarian crisis. There's no humanitarian crisis. They have plenty of food and water. Think about how grotesque that is. Not only to say that at any point in time, because obviously it's been the situation for a very long time, but now more than ever, it's just desperation. And here is one of their allies telling you that it's incomprehensible. Our collective priority must be to alleviate this suffering. It is crucial that all sides uphold international humanitarian law and take all possible measures to protect innocent civilians, including at hospitals and schools. Those statements infuriate Israel, as they've already made clear. They stand up and they attack. Here is Claire Daly from Ireland. Children's Day, the day when we commemorate the signing of the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child, the most widely ratified human rights treaty ever, the world united around the protection of children. Well, aren't we great? And it's about time that we wake up and smell the white phosphorus, the burning flesh of children torched alive in Gaza. Wake up and hear their screams over the dead bodies of their parents their severed limbs, their blinded eyes, their parched lips, their starving stomachs. Feel their terror day after day after day after day as the bombs rain down on their homes, their schools, their hospitals. On and on it goes. And all the great nations that signed this great treaty to protect children sit on their hands. And we pat ourselves on the back in places like this, while not just doing nothing, but enabling that Israeli genocide against children to continue. Well, the people of the world have seen through your complicity, if you mean a morsel of concern for children, stop the slaughter, demand a ceasefire. As obvious as it gets, as she wrote, Israel defending itself by raining white phosphorus on concentration camp full of children. Alan McLeod, and many people caught this. I think this was, I forget exactly what date it was. It posted today, largely. The Swedish prime minister goes up in front of everybody and starts to say, Israel has the right to, and starts to say genocide. I mean, it's, it, this, uh, this is confirmed all around. Hit the audience loses it before correcting himself and saying, oh, the right to self-defense. Think about that. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that he knows it's genocide? And that was a slip or that, that he like, in what usually that only happens when there's terms and, and concepts that are close. Like in what world do you accidentally say genocide unless there's something more to it?
We heard it. We heard it. That's crazy. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. How in the world do you pretend that would be an accident? Or rather, you know, like that that's like just a, an innocent mistake. It's obvious that there's something to that. Genocide and the right to self-defense don't even start with the same letter. It's this person is. I mean, look, I don't even know how Look, I don't even know how it's possible, quite frankly, but there it is. And it's this is definitely real. We all see it as the point. They are committing genocide. We all know it. And I'll include this again. Reza Nasri pointing out with the names of the people saying it, all of their intent stated plainly. Starving them all, collective punishment. I mean, I've already gone over all of these. Human animals, Israel's major general. It says we should celebrate those. Hand out, uh, to, they're all terrorists. They should all be destroyed. Ben Gabir, over and over and over. Yet we pretend this is not clear. Again, here's Dan Cohen showing you. They literally just tweeted out, and this is how we framed it on the left, Zionist propaganda depicting Palestinians as rats with the caption, exterminator wanted for Gaza. That This is what this is, Zionist propaganda. Now here he compares it to Nazi propaganda, depicting Jews as rats with the caption, when the vermin are dead, the German oak will flourish once more. Now here's Nazi propaganda, and here is not Zionist propaganda. Now, again, the letter that was written by specifically the Israeli general, Eland, calling for tough measures, stating that the international community warns of a humanitarian catastrophe with Gaza and severe epidemics. We must not shy away from it. Severe epidemics in the south of the Strip will hasten victory. And in general, you can read the whole thing. The point is he breaks down the difference. According to the United States, there's two groups in Gaza. Right. One one that are terrorists and then innocent people that are caught in the middle. What he's saying is that's wrong. The truth is Israel's not fighting a terrorist organization, but against the state of Gaza. I couldn't get more clear than that. The state of Gaza is indeed under Hamas leadership and thus the organization managed. And the point is you're making an argument that all of the people there are targets. They, they just keep saying it. So there's no misunderstanding this when it comes to some kind of Hague tribunal concept. Now, I want to end in general with a couple points. I think this one, yeah, we'll, we'll finish with that video. But I, I just want to give this guy a shout out. Now, by the way, this is the IDF parody account. But quite frankly, what we've heard a lot, and in no way does this mean that people that were heard October 7th don't matter. But we do need to make sure, as we said earlier, to understand that some of them were killed by the IDF and they're blaming that on Hamas. To what degree? We still need to figure that out. So that matters. But when everyone, when people are talking about what's going on in Gaza and you're asked by a ridiculous reporter like this, what about October 7th? I really, and again, this does not mean you don't care about people that were hurt that day. But this, I believe, is the right response. Keep saying, what about October 7th? What about October 7th? What about October 8th? What about October 9th? What about October 10th? What about October 11th? What about October 12th? What about October 13th? What about October 14th? What about October 15th? What about October 16th? What about October 17th? What about October 18th? 
What about October 19th? What about October 20th? What about October 21st? What about October 22nd? Let me finish the question. Let me finish answering. What about October 23rd? What about October 24th? What about October 25th? What about October 26th? What about October 27th? What about October 28th? What about October 29th? What about October 30th? What about October 31st? What about November 1st? What about November 2nd? November 3rd? What about November 5th? What about November 6th? What about November 7th? What about November 8th? What about November 9th? What about tomorrow? What about the next day? You're damn right. If why does the rest of them matter? You know, the 115 children being killed every day. What about those days? Do they not matter? October 7th matters. Israeli lives matter. Any civilian lives matter. But what's interesting is to this person, that's the only direction you should redirect your outrage to. Not any of those days that have happened since where thousands of people have been killed. As much as they will make that under some dis dismissive racist concept, it's it's only racist that you ignore the, the other 49 or 47 days that followed. We care about all of them. Here, just to show you a heart-wrenching reality of what's going on on the ground, is what they don't want you to see, what he doesn't care about, apparently. La ilaha illallah, la ilaha caption with this guy when there's no hospital when there's nowhere to go what do you do what do you do carrying your dead sister or child you have nothing to do there's nowhere to go you can't help yourself you're just stuck and this is what they're all going through the innocent people i'm talking about there's just no way around it you can't pretend they don't exist you can't pretend that they're all free targets because you claim Hamas are there, even though you keep showing us things we show you you're lying about. That even the corporate media calls you out for. And you keep bombing. And it keeps going. And it never stops. It hasn't stopped for 75 years. I don't mean that literally the kind of bombing we're seeing today. But I mean, what we're dealing with is a nonstop occupation. A brutal, apartheid, racist, nonstop occupation. The fact that you people just start, some of the people out there just started paying attention post-October 7th, you know, in a way is something that people were trying to do all this time. But the fact that it caused a genocide to get people to pay attention is sort of the point. It's just time that we actually start to marshal this awareness into stopping the people committing genocide. Wherever they may be. Now I'm going to end today with a great clip from Carrie Wedler who, by the way, again, is now working with The Last American Vagabond. I'm honored to say she's doing outstanding work. I just hope we can start to really digest this and understand the reality, especially as we drift into this weird momentary pause, which is really an insult to the fact that people are currently suffering. Like, you understand that even the argument of bringing things in is not going to immediately help the people that are probably dying as we speak, as they pointed out. Short, the malnutrition, the starving, the lack of water, everything we're talking about on top of the right this moment continuing to carpet bomb entire neighborhoods. You know, just to get a few more murders in just before they put the, the pretend pause on for four days. It's outrageous. And I know you can see it. 
And I know you understand that people are being hurt. I just call on the compassion, the humanity of people out there. Put aside the political nonsense and just care about the people that are being hurt as if that matters more than anything, because it should. More than their political ambitions, more than the terrorist attack, more like even if you think exactly what their worst narrative is actually happened. Shouldn't the first thing be the people that are caught up in the middle of it all? Isn't that what we all pretend we're all about? It sure as hell what the rules-based international order tries to sell you on. Recognize their lies. Recognize the exact opposite of what they pretend they are. But we can do that. We have our humanity. We have a soul. We have a heart. We care about people. Show the world that. Don't be cowed along by their two-party paradigm. Stand up for people who need it. They need you. They're screaming for your attention right now. Do something about it. I don't mean violence. I never do. So thank you for tuning in tonight, guys. I intended this to be a little shorter, but I thought it was important that we cover this. I don't know. I, my plan tomorrow is to put out a couple interviews, but knowing that it's Thanksgiving, something could you know go awry, but I hope you all out there will enjoy your families and your loved ones, your neighbors, your friends, depending on what your circles are like, or your, your T-Lav community. You know, get together with yourselves, your, your local areas, and just remember why these holidays are important, whether you believe in them or not, right? Or, or even ignore, you know, understanding the real history around Thanksgiving or not. Understand today is just about being thankful for what we have. And remember that while you're doing that, that there are people that have nothing. And we always are supposed to kind of think about that, but think about this in the context of people that have nothing and at the same time are being bombed because they have nothing who are being starved because they have nothing, being killed because they have nothing, because they're a burden on people that want them out of the way. And say a prayer for them. But remember why your family is so important, the same thing they're fighting for, because you love them, because they're your family, because family is the most important thing in the world. To me, I hope it is to you guys as well. But just remember how much, whether you're brown or white or Jewish or Christian, that your family matters to you. And that we should remember that when we think about what's going on in Gaza, but anywhere else. So I love you all. Thank you for being here. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. For the victims of the October 7th attacks and the victims of the Israeli government's response. Looks like we've got another terrorist-loving anti-Semite. I'm actually Jewish on the side that counts in traditional Judaism. So you're a self-hating Jew? No, but I would like to explain why the state of Israel has no right to exist and it has nothing to do with anti-Semitism. Why? Because Israel's been bombing Gaza. We are defending ourselves. Those Palestinian savages always start it. Actually, this modern conflict really kicked off after some European Jews convinced the British Empire to support the creation of a Jewish nation in the Middle East. Like I said, self-hating Jew. Anti-Semitism is definitely a real thing. I've had it directed at me many times. It's ultimately a negative, hateful collectivization of an entire group of people, right? Yes, and it's evil. So isn't it also evil to collectivize other groups of humans? And they aren't human. They're terrorist animals hell-bent on destroying us. Terrorists like Hamas. Exactly. The group Israel helped create to try to establish more control in the region? You're lying, bad Jew. 
Hamas is a terrorist organization because they kill civilians to achieve political objectives, right? You're finally getting it. So what is destroying refugee camps, schools, and news buildings in the name of defending the state of Israel? And what about groups like Lehi and Ergun, which brazenly murdered civilians in their efforts to carve out the region for Jews? They had no choice. People wouldn't respect their legitimacy, dignity, and existence. And what do you call treating human beings like cattle for decades and bombing them when a small subsection of them, like Hamas, attacks? Palestinians elected Hamas. There are no innocent Palestinians. Did they elect Hamas? Or did Hamas win a plurality of votes, not a majority, and without all of the people voting in 2006, and then seize power anyway the following year? Did the children of Gaza, who now make up nearly half the population, vote for Hamas as infants or before they were born? Those kids are going to grow up to be terrorists anyway. Why do you hate all Jews, but look for every possible reason to defend Palestinians? They hate us for no other possible reason but our Judaism. I'm not talking about all Jews, but the Israeli government, which conflates itself with Judaism and Jews and then uses that as a shield for its inhumanity. Which brings me back to why the state of Israel has no right to exist. Do you not see the Star of David on the flag? They're fighting for you too, even though you're ungrateful. It's the sacred Jewish homeland, self-hater. It's also the Palestinians' home, yet you decry their alleged religious fanaticism at the exact same time you use your religion fused with government authority to justify seizing their homes and denying them basic human rights and killing them indiscriminately with the full force of the Israeli state. You don't think we deserve our own country after all we've suffered. My family died in the Holocaust. So did mine, as far as my family knows. And that's all the more reason to oppose the Israeli government's onslaught. Groups of people all around the world have suffered at the hands of violent governments and their henchmen, spurred on by people who believe in their authority. That doesn't mean other people should also suffer murderous fates at the hands of government, including one that claims to represent persecuted Jews, while simultaneously persecuting Jews who question their authority. Why are you still defending them, traitor Jew? They don't care about innocent civilians and children like Israel does. I thought there was no such thing as an innocent Palestinian. And Israel also killed Palestinian civilians, including children, all the time. So it's a little bit pot kettle, isn't it? That's because they use those civilians and children as protective cover while they're trying to slaughter us. Like the IDF did for years? Were these kids playing on the beach during Protective Edge Hamas shields? Human shields. Human shields. Human shields. What about the innocent women and children and men killed by Israeli terrorists determined to establish an Israeli state? Why are you still defending Hamas? How is it not obvious that when they do it, it's terrorism, but when we do it, it's self-defense? I'm not defending Hamas. It is terrible and inhumane to strike at civilians. But you have to examine why people get radicalized in the first place. You can and should look at the root causes of horrific behavior without condoning that behavior. The only way to stop their violent resistance is to continue the violent policies that incite it and exacerbate their violent resistance. Has this worked for Israel or its big daddy America? Why do self-haters and anti-Semites pick on Israel so much? It's the only democracy in the Middle East. They democratically bomb people. And they give them warnings. It's humane to tell people you're about to blow up their home. You really can't see who's the Goliath. Sure. These people are beasts. Bad Jews. Gosh, cannot see. They want to wipe us off the face of the earth. Self-defense. We should just wipe them off the face of the earth. Self-defense. They elected Hamas. They're just going to grow up to be terrorists anyway. You have so much hate in your heart. Kill them all. You're defending Hamas. Human shields. Human shields. Why are you defending Hamas? They give warnings. They give warnings. They give warnings. Hitler should have finished the job on your family. Jew haters. Self-defense. Self-defense. You're endorsing mass murder. Let's turn Gaza into a parking lot. These people are savages. Look, 
You just need to be rational about this. Every democracy has its shortcomings and Israel is no different. We finally agree. Shut up, you dirty, self-hating, terrorist sympathizing. Wait, the real reason the state of Israel has no right to exist is the same reason no government has a right to exist. The Israeli government's crimes may be staggeringly shocking, brutal, and glaringly hypocritical, but they're also a reflection of all governments. Whether it's democratic Israel abusing people, the American Republic killing people domestically and abroad, the Russian oligarchy doing the same, socialist governments, communist governments, monarchies, theocracies, dictatorships, and everything in between, all states in all of human history and today depend on their monopoly on violence or the threat of it to assert, claim, and secure your obedience to their imagined authority and to fund their regimes. Without organized violence or the threat of it and people who believe in its legitimacy, they can't actually force anyone to do anything. And this includes governments that claim to be representative. Regardless of the type of government, corruption and abuse inevitably occur because the state only exists through theft and violence, the perceived right to steal and kill that none of us actually have, not the people the state claims to serve and represent or the people who claim to have authority through the government. If people don't have a moral right to initiate violence, people can't delegate that right to other people claiming to represent them in the form of government. Despite what actual anti-Semites believe, the Israeli government's brutality doesn't occur because it's run by Jews. It occurs because you can't have government without violent authority, which attracts sick people who get off on ruling over and hurting others. This inherent violence allowed communists to kill millions and fascists to slaughter Jews and others deemed a threat. Likewise, Zionist ideology, which is not synonymous with Judaism as a whole, would be toothless without the institution of statism to enforce its objectives. So would any other religious ideology. And belief in government and all its legitimacy, fanaticism, and rituals is a religion in itself where people worship at the altar of violence, authority, and control. Whatever your stance on Israel and Palestine, if you truly oppose violence against innocent people, you must reject the legitimacy of all government. The biggest perpetrator of the worst atrocities in history. There is no mass murderer more prolific than the state. Or rather, the people who hallucinated to have legitimate authority and those who believe they're acting righteously with their uniforms, badges, and guns to enact the whims of politicians and government officials who scribble words on paper or make declarations and deem their brutality legal, moral, or both. The vast majority of human relationships are peaceful and voluntary. Unlike the inherently non-consensual nature of government. All around the world, every single day, the state aggresses against people while sowing hate, fear, and division. And all around the world, every single day, individual people work together to help each other and make the world go round. And we have so much more in common with each other than we do the ruling class that claims to serve and represent us. In reality, unless you're truly hateful and sick, you probably don't really despise all Palestinians or Arabs or Muslims or Jews or Israelis or anyone else. Those people absolutely do exist and are exponentially more dangerous when given government authority. Regardless, it's more likely that you don't hate any entire demographic, but have simply been taught that the governments and violent organizations acting in their name literally are them. Quote, we are the government. The truth is that we're all human and regardless of our faiths or beliefs, we share that humanity, our love for our families and communities, fears for our survival and hopes for a better present and future. But the only way we're ever going to achieve it is to cast off this belief in violent authority. To believe in ourselves and each other as we recognize our true power, which doesn't come from government elections or bombs or guns. It comes from our ability and choice to break away from our belief in the legitimacy of violent authority and claim our natural born right to be free.